This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast from AllComic.com, episode 165. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton, and uh, my good friend and co-host, Lam Ramayasha, will not be joining us for this episode. Our other good friend of the podcast, Sakaki, from the weekly Shogakukan edition blog and Twitter... Uh, as well as many other podcasts under what I like to call the V-Lord Empire of podcasts, <laughs> including stuff like the Demon Slayer podcast, Saturday Night Shoggy, Oversoul, a Shaman King podcast, and another podcast that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, but yes, uh, playing the part of Lum Ramiyasha on tonight's episode will be Sakaki. How's it going, buddy? I am actually really, really um, honored to be your silver medal. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lum is just such a personality that I, I can't I, I can't even be mad that I'm just second place to that. It, it's actually an honor, but it's an honor always to be record with uh, you guys. And I'm really glad you asked me to be on, because looking over the news we have, we have really interesting stuff to talk about. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, I was just going to say... Um Look, I'm just going to be honest with you. Like you're 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 pretty much my like go-to whenever Lum isn't around. If I had to pick like another person in case for some reason you weren't available, it'd probably be Maxie. You you and Maxie are kind of my go-to in case Lum isn't around, but I'm you know, I'm 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 really happy that we got to record together today cuz uh n- not only do I not just like, you know, recording with my good friend Sakaki, you know, one of my I'm I'm, I'm going to say one of my best friends, you know. That's I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Um you know, uh, someone I liked recording with, and, you know, I just, uh, I don't know where I was going with this. Maybe I'll cut this part out. Um, the feeling is mutual, though. <laughs> let's just <laughs> let's just go there. As far as best friends, yes, the feeling is very much mutual. So instead of just uh, loving on each other for the next 30 minutes, um, that probably sounds way wronger than I wanted it to, but it's fine. It's fine. Um, so we, we have a lot of news to cover for this episode. Uh, including some big serialization news, including a lot of series ending, a lot of new series starting up, uh, as well as uh, a lot of licensing news, more than I thought we were going to have, but it's all important. We need to talk about it, as well as um, a lot of really, just a lot of other interesting pieces of news, um, including uh, new manga subscription services, uh, some cool anime streaming stuff, and even something I was not expecting, uh, a new live-action announcement thing that we will get to later. I don't want to spoil it just yet. Uh, let's just say it's one that I was not expecting. But, um, yeah, so we have a lot to talk about, so I don't want to completely belabor the point and stall us too much. But uh, before we get started, uh, Sakaki, I think we should talk about a project that we're both a part of that uh, recently became publicly available for, for people to listen to. That's right. The We have a Dragon Ball podcast, if you guys weren't aware of that. And it's been a lot of fun to record, and already we're getting guests and just having a great time with it. I would recommend that you give a, give it a listen, now that it's public. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, that podcast, for anyone who doesn't know, is called Another Day, Another Adventure. Just like Sakaki said, it's basically a Dragon Ball podcast where the goal of the podcast is for the both of us to kind of go through the entire animated franchise of the Dragon Ball series, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, right now, we're currently covering the original Dragon Ball TV series from 1986. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we've recorded a few episodes so far. 
As far as the public feed goes, uh, first off, that should be available at least most places where you can listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, and now Apple Podcasts, which took a long damn time for me to get onto Apple. Uh, I kept messaging Sakaki about it all throughout like the past week. It was, it was, there was a lot of trial and error involved, but it's finally up on there. It's, it's at least on the bigger platforms that everybody knows about. And, you know, it's, it's available wherever you can listen to podcasts. Uh, we'll leave links in the show notes. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at another DB pod. Um, right now we have the first two episodes up. That's episodes zero and episode one, where, you know, you can listen to us kind of basically talk about what we want to do with the show and kind of how we're going to structure it moving forward, as well as talking about the very first episode of the anime, uh, which, you know, I've re-listened to a few times at this point. It's a good discussion, and uh, I think you'll enjoy the rest of the show if you're uh, interested in listening to it, which, if you are interested in listening to the rest of it, because kind of the plan moving forward with, the, forward with this podcast is, basically, I want to try to keep up with, like, a monthly release schedule, in theory, um, but... It, this is also going to be one of those things where we're basically like Sakaki and I are basically going to record the show when we have the time to, but we are going to try to try to stay monthly as best as we can. So basically that is to say that we already have a few episodes recorded already that aren't on the public feed. But if you want to listen to those before they're uploaded on the public feed and, and you just, and you just can't wait to listen. I think moving forward, basically the newest five episodes of the podcast at any time are going to be on our Patreon at patreon.com slash manga maverick, specifically at the $3 tier or higher. Um, basically, whenever I upload a new episode of the podcast onto the Patreon, we're going to upload the oldest episode on the Patreon to the public feed. We're basically going to keep alternating podcasts out. That's kind of the plan I have for as, as far as like the release of this show. But yeah, I basically, you know, we've kind of mentioned it here and there on the podcast, but I just wanted to let everybody know that it is publicly available for people to listen to now. We'll leave links in the show notes for anybody who's interested. If you love Dragon Ball as much as we do, and you want to listen to us talk about it, please go listen to it. It would really mean the world to me. It's a new podcast, so like, I, I really want to get this to as many pe as many people as possible. And, you know, I mean, I, I guess I guess by the time this episode's out... It won't be the case, but hey, um, a, a few weeks ago was my birthday, and if you want to give me an, uh, a late birthday present, go listen to my podcast. That's all I really want. <laughs> all I want go. for my birthday is for you to listen to my shows. That's all I want. That's a, that's <laughs> the best way to keep fans guilt them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't get me a birthday present? Just listen to my podcast. <laughs> if it works for mom, it'll work for us. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, but seriously, any any support we get on that show in particular means the world to us. And yeah, we, we hope you enjoy it. But for now, we, we, we could plug more of our stuff later. But for now, uh, we do have a lot of news to get to. And I think the first thing we're going to talk about is the New York Times best-selling graphic books and manga list for June 2021. And so, yeah, this is kind of the only list we have to talk about right now. At the time of this recording, the newest book scan list isn't up just yet. We'll we'll probably cover that on one of the next episodes, but we'll, we'll get to it eventually. But for now, as far as the New York Times list goes, as far as manga, there aren't a lot of entries on this list. Uh, you know, for those in the know, there's a lot of Dogman on this list. Uh, D D Dave Pilkey, Pilkey, I never know how you pronounce his last name, is just really killing it as far as like general comic sales goes. A lot of people love his books. I'm assuming especially kids as well. But as far as 
uh, as far as like any manga on the list is concerned, uh, at number 15, we have volume eight of Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba. Uh, volume eight, I believe, is the start of the Infinity Train arc. It is, yes. I, I can only assume the people who saw Mugen Train in theaters, you know, their interest in the Demon Slayer manga was really piqued by that movie. And they were just like, oh, I, I wonder how it was in the manga or whatever, you know. So there's that. And then uh, we have volume one of My Hero Academia on the list at number 12. Uh, wasn't on the list last month, but the month before, it seems like it was also number 12 on the list. So it hasn't really changed spots. Uh, you know, vo volume one of My Hero Academia kind of went off both the book scan and New York Times list for like a month or two, but seems to have returned. I mean, people are constantly buying volume one of My Hero Academia, and uh, I, I've i made the comparison before, but it's basically kind of like back in the day when like, you know, Attack on Titan was like especially huge, and I think Attack on Titan volume one, uh, I'm pretty sure you could, if you like go back and look for it, like was on the original New York Times, like best-selling manga list for like 80 weeks in a row or something. Like it, was, it had a lot of staying power. But actually speaking of Attack on Titan, we have volume 33 all the way up at number five. So in the, in the top 10 portion of, uh, of the New York Times list, uh, obviously Attack on Titan is, um, very popular right now with, the anime kind of on its way to finishing up and the manga is obviously finished at this point. So I'm sure a lot of people are very interested in, uh, you know, either getting into it or maybe picking back up for those who might have dropped it probably. But yeah, that's really about it for the New York Times list. Uh, I don't know if there's really anything else that we can add to it. I'm really interested in what the next month is going to look like. Uh, and I'm especially interested in what the next book scan list is going to look like as well. But uh, yeah, I guess... I guess we could just kind of move on to our serialization news, and uh, we have some cool stuff to kind of talk about at the top here. Uh, so let's just start with some Shonen Jump stuff, because we have two new series coming to Shonen Jump. W one of them is already premiered by the time you're listening to this. The first series being The Hunter's Guild Red Hood from Yuki Kawaguchi, which uh, seems to be a take on like the Little Red Riding Hood-esque kind of story, where I guess... I'm assuming the main character is like this hunter kid and like this possibly older female character is like the Red Riding Hood figure or something. That's kind of what I'm gathering from here. But uh, yeah, I mean, as far as like anything that like Kawaguchi has done in the past, from what I can tell, they haven't done anything like significant or at the very least in terms of like any other serial works. It seems like they've had a lot of like one shots here and there uh, between like all the different contests that they've entered and, like, whatever's run in, like, the other Jump magazines or whatever. Yeah, I see Giga and, yeah, two one-shots in Jump Giga in 2017 and 2019. Well, they were, they were in regular Jump in issue three of 2020. So they've been around. Um, a, a lot of one-shots here and there, but this seems to be, like, Kawaguchi's, like, first actual, like, serialized story or whatever. So, um, I mean, the art for it looks really cool. And uh, I'm I'm kind of a sucker for the kind of like Grimm's fairy tale like aesthetic kind of thing, like stories based on like those classic fairy tales or whatever. So I don't know. I'm definitely going to check this out. And I'm sure that we'll talk about the first few chapters on one of our next upcoming episodes. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, I don't know. It's been confirmed that um, Kawaguchi was also an assistant to Horikoshi, which you could probably Ooh, okay. see in the art style for this because definitely there's a I'm, I'm looking at the link that you provided in the thread on twitter and yeah i can definitely see a lot of horikoshi in this with the like thick lines and everything like that mm -hmm. 
Actually, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't even know that. Yeah, the, honestly, like looking at the art now with you saying that, that that makes a little too much sense, actually. But the next series that's going to be coming like the week after that at the time of this recording uh, is going to be Neru Buge Dogio, uh, roughly translated to Neru Martial Arts Traveling, which I'm sure Viz will probably have like a better sounding title for that by the time this episode's out, from Minya Hiraga, which um, Hiraga seems to be like the same case as Kawaguchi, where, you know, they've had a lot of one shots everywhere, um, except the differences. And I think I remember this, too. Nehru in particular had like a short digital only like serialization on Shonen Jump for a little bit. And I remember I remember like seeing that around and being like, oh, man, this looks cool. I, I wish we I wish we got it over here. And then we never did. But I'm guessing it was like kind of a preview-ish kind of thing, like a proof of concept kind of thing for what we're getting now. Uh, that's kind of what I'm assuming anyway. Yeah, I, I don't know much about it myself, but yeah, Jump is doing a thing now where I guess they're doing short serials in the digital magazine, most likely just to kind of be like, okay, this is less competitive than being in the main magazine. You get to write your stretch your stuff out, and if people respond, then we'll give it a full civilization. So it's kind of like... A proof of concept thing, but I guess a bit longer than just a one shot. Because as we've probably experienced a lot, that a one shot can be great, and then trying to make that a whole story is a lot more difficult. And I give it to Jump that they that this is a really interesting way to cultivate newbies. Like mm-hmm. Sunday does it like straight, and you knew you knew I was going to talk about Sunday, <laughs> but <laughs> but Sunday does it like in the main magazine itself. But I guess they can afford that because. They also serialize less series, so they have that room. Well, Jump, you know, has a lot more series going on in it. And I, I, I think both ways work. You, you get the main magazine for Sunday, and then you get online for Jump. But, I mean, obviously, Jump is, like, a brand name now. So, you know, eyes are on that. I've always said it. A failure in Jump probably did better than a success in any other magazine. So... I mean, in, in theory, I could see why that would probably prove true. Um, I guess it probably depends on, like, the series. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, though. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, um, again, like I said, we will talk about the first couple chapters of these on an upcoming episode. But so far, they both look really interesting. Um, I'm kind of ready to read both. Like, I'm, like, the same level of excited for the both of them, honestly. Like, these these both look like they could be pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement with that like i I'm, I'm, i guess if i if i had a gun to my head from a hunter <laughs> i would be i'd be more inclined to red hood just because i really like uh horikoshi and horikoshi adjacent art styles which i know that's kind of like really maybe a little insulting to kawaguchi because definitely they do their own thing but like yeah i you could definitely see horikoshi's influence on this mm-hmm. i mean i think it's less obvious with kawaguchi than it is um Shibata, in particular, uh, the person who did uh, Zip Man. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I agree with that. Not not that I don't like Shibata's art style, and I'm not trying to say anything bad about it, but I I, I think with Kawaguchi so far, you, you can kind of see hints of Korikoshi's style in there, but I, I still think Kawaguchi is still able to make their style their own, which is good. Whereas with Shibata, especially with Zip Man, you know, it, w- it was pretty, like, clear as day that, like, oh, this guy definitely worked with Horikoshi <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> It was a lot more obvious. But yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to to read the both of these. And yeah, again, we'll 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 get to talking about these on the podcast in the future. For now, though, um obviously with two new series coming to Shonen Jump, uh we have two series that are ending. I'm just gonna be up front. Uh one I'm a little more 
disappointed uh, about than the other. Um, we'll let you guys decide which one that is, but we are going to talk about the first one of these with Ryuhei Tamura's Hardboiled Cop and Dolphin. Uh, that has ended at the time of this recording with about 47 chapters. Uh, obviously, in case anyone doesn't know, Ryuhei Tamura uh, was originally the author of uh, Beelzebub, you know, back in the day, uh, as well as other canceled Shonen Jump manga, Hungry Marie, and now along with this, so... Yeah, I, I think this is obviously one of those things where Hard Boiled Cup and Dolphin lasted as long as it did because, you know, Tamura has at least one hit under his belt. So, you know, Jump Editorial was probably like, okay, we'll, I, we'll, we'll, let, you, we'll let you run for a little bit. It's fine. We'll give you a little leeway. But it seems like it's just kind of gotten to the point where, I mean, I don't know. I From what I understand, sales for this series weren't super great as far as I know. And I mean, just in general, like, uh, I mean, the, the, the series is kind of loaded because, like, obviously, when we when we originally talked about the first chapter of this, you know, this this series, the timing for the premiere of the series couldn't have been any worse because this obviously this obviously came around the point when, like, uh, riots in the U.S. were really, really, like, widespread and we were in the middle of uh, we were kind of in the heyday of that last year. Um, it, look, a cap. That's all I'm gonna say, um, you know. So for for us specifically, Lum and I, we it did kind of leave a bad taste in our mouth that it's like, oh, we're getting a cop manga and jump while this stuff is going on in the world, and that that kind of soured my experience on it a little bit. Though I will admit, the the further I got into it, and I'm I'm not caught up on it, unfortunately. I think I got like halfway through its entire run, but you know, the the, the more I got into it, like. You know, I kind of weirdly miss Ryuhei Tamura's, like, sense of humor. Yes, I fully agreed. Like, I liked Beelzebub back in the day, and honestly, I wish I could reread it and maybe talk about it on the show. I don't know. But, I mean, you know, I, I like Tamura's stuff enough to where, like, if he comes out with something else, I'll I'll probably check it out. Like, I'm not opposed to his stuff, but, I mean, I have to assume this was at least a little better than Hungry Marie, especially since Hungry Marie didn't really... Uh, last for as long i think that lasted under 20 chapters if i remember correctly but yeah i don't know i mean did did you read any of this at all in particular i actually read the whole thing oh for real wow like i got caught up and i finished it like as it you know so you read a whole jump manga yeah i did well it's all tamura i i have to give him i have to say i like tamura for a lot of the same reasons you just stated which is i love his sense of humor he's just a really funny guy like it's very understated, which I'm not going to say is not a jump thing, because I'm by no means an expert at jump. But, like, I liked his understated sense of humor, that it's less a thing where, I mean, yeah, you get the manzai, but a lot of this stuff is just people reacting really understatedly to weird things going on, or having kind of a snarky quip or something. So, since then, I mean, admittedly, I haven't actually read Hungry Marie at all, so <laughs> I guess I should take give back my, my Tamura fan card. <laughs> but, um, yeah, when this premiered, yeah, I understand, like, why people would feel that way about it. It is unfortunate, but, like, I, I still went into it with Gutso, and I'm pretty happy with it. Like, the arc that Without spoiling anything, the final arc is pretty satisfying for something that you knew was going to get canceled. So, okay. I, I think when you read it, 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 it wraps up pretty nicely. The last chapter was really sweet. And, I mean, yeah, of course, there are still some things that are just like, wow, that was really left unresolved. But 
It is what it is with a canceled manga. Like, I, I doubt Hard Boil Cop and Dolphin will get, like, a physical release because for that reason. But I would pick up, like, the Japanese Tonkobans one day if I had a little spare cash. Because I did enjoy it. I mean, it probably won't get any physical English releases, but... I'm pretty sure it'll get at least like English digital releases because this has actually been doing that a lot with the more like shorter lived jump series, actually. So I'm sure this will get something like that down the line, which would be interesting. Uh, again, we're just going to add this to the list of canceled jump series that we're eventually going to talk about on the podcast via our jump stop podcasts, which are always really fun to do. And um, I guess just to kind of move on to the next thing, uh, another one that we can unfortunately add to the list is uh, Kazusa Inooka's I Tell C. By the time this episode has come out, uh, it will have ended in Shonen Jump in issue 30 with 21 chapters. Uh, this one hurts a little bit because uh, I was pretty interested in this one just because, like, you know, we very rarely get any actual, like, mystery detective manga in Shonen Jump, and even fewer of them actually, like, do very well. I mean, I don't know, like... I think I was telling Maxie this on Twitter when uh, they were kind of lamenting the news. But see, f from the very beginning, you know, when we talked about the first chapter of this as well, you know, I really had my doubts about like whether something like this could really survive in Shonen Jump specifically, just because I don't know, like, I think this should have been on Shonen Jump Plus. I think it would have had a better chance on that platform because Shonen Jump Plus at this point, I think it's safe to say that like, you know, they have a lot of, like, different series on there that, like, in one way or another just feel different from the normal Jump manga, at least different enough to, like, like, they're willing to be more experimental, and they don't just do the same stuff all the time, you know? Again, like, I love showing a Jump manga, but sometimes the ideas and themes and plot beats that some of these different Shonen Jump manga have are, are kind of the same sometimes, and I'm willing to admit that. That's fine. But most of the time it works, though. Um... Anyway, I feel like I'm going to go on a whole rant here, but no, I, <laughs> um, I am, I am sad to see that I tell C has been canceled because uh, I was, I was actually just about to like start catching up on it. And I mean, I guess I could still do that, but I mean, like th this is one of those things where like, I've been so behind on like everything in the magazine lately. And this was one of the things I was actually kind of looking forward to catching up on the most and re weekly, but now I can't do that obviously. Um, and I, I, I don't want to give too much away. But I did just get around to chapter seven or eight, uh, around the time a really big twist happens that I was not expecting. And yeah, I, I, like as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, where's this going to go from here? And then um, and then obviously now it's over. So again, another one bites the dust. Add this one to the list. We'll I'm sure we'll talk about it eventually. Sakaki, I'm happy. Have you read any of this? I don't know if you have any thoughts you want to share. I like. I feel like with this series, I I'm actually mostly caught up. I think I'm maybe two chapters behind. So, well, I say two, but technically I know what happens in the one chapter that I haven't read yet. So it feels like it's good. So one thing that surprised me is that it feels like it's ending mid arc because it's like they were starting a new arc and then now we get this announcement that it's over. So it's like, huh. So I'm really looking forward to seeing on Sunday or you know when this comes out. When the last chapter comes out, not to date this too bad, <laughs> but uh, when the next chapter comes out, I really want interesting in seeing how they're going to wrap this thing up. I mean, as my personal feelings, I mean, I don't want to shit on it too bad, but I like the, pre the premise of this series, but I just don't think the author had the gravitas to really pull it to the finish line because there's a lot of like, as you pointed out, the twists, which normally I'd be like, okay, you know, I'm down for this, but it felt like 
the author was trying to figure out what they wanted to do with the series as it was being serialized. And isn't that just the nature of manga in general? I mean, it is, but I feel like we, we've discussed <laughs> this. Like, there are some authors that have the charisma to pull that off. And you don't, it's either you don't know this or you know this, but you don't care because you like it. Unfortunately, yeah, ITLC did not have that. And it just felt like a mess to me a lot of the time. And then when it came back to this, it wasn't selling well. Not that I want to be that guy that was just like, haha. I mean, I never, even for stuff I don't like, I know somebody out there likes it. So I never liked to like relish in some uh, series being canceled. Even if I hated it. Yeah, there's a lot of that online for some reason. Like, ha, your favorite thing got canceled. Oh, man, that validates me for some reason. Yeah, I don't I don't get that. Like, literally, I, I don't know. With, with all the options in the jump vault alone, <laughs> like, there are lots of options all over the internet. Like, even if you didn't, at this point, we're at a place in manga availability that if you hate jump, you have a shit ton of options. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Like, it, it really does. I don't get why you could be over it. But anyway, uh, yeah, like, I don't relish the series being canceled, even if I didn't like it. But, like, yeah, it is. I just felt personally that the series just, there was a great idea there, but I don't think they thought too much beyond that first great idea. This would have been a great one shot, I feel like, but not much more. <laughs> No, that's fair. I, I I hear what you're saying. I mean, eventually, I I eventually I I would like to come back to the series and finish it up again. Add another one to the list. I can't say I'm that surprised because again, I had my skepticism about how well this was going to do going in, but it is still sad to see it end. Um, I really really like what Kazusa Inaoka was able to do with the series, at least as far as I've read, anyway. So. You know, again, Inaoka is another artist where, like, if they do something else in Jump, I'll definitely give their stuff another chance. Um, I'd really like to see, like, what they'd be able to do in the future. Yeah. Hey, guys, it's Colton. Figured I should uh, cut into the episode here to uh, add on to the uh, canceled Shonen Jump manga news. Because, unfortunately, it seems like, you know, sometime after Sakaki and I recorded this episode that... Uh, Another series has been confirmed to end in Shonen Jump, with uh, issue 31 in particular, and that series being uh, Nine Dragons Ball Parade from Ashibi Fukui and Mikiyasu Kamada, which, you know, is kind of disappointing. You know, I, I know I didn't have, like, a lot of praise for it when I first talked about it on Manga Mavericks a little while ago, but, uh, you know, and I, I think I mentioned it after the fact, but um, the more I read of it, the more I got really into it. I was really invested in uh, in these two kids and like uh, and how they were going to like form their team and like uh, finally fight against the team that they couldn't join originally. And, you know, uh, the more I read the series, the more I was really into that idea. And I was really excited to see like what kind of team they could form and everything. Like, I, I think I think it was getting really good, honestly. And. I genuinely thought like, oh, hey, maybe this could be like the one baseball series that finally conquers this weird curse that like all baseball manga seems to have and should jump after a certain point where they just can't get past like, it seems like three volumes max in terms of its run. I don't, I don't know, man. It is disappointing. I was really rooting for this one. And I know Maxi was too. Um, I, I think I think a lot of us were. You know, it's just one of those things where, you know, we, again, we just we just really wanted to see a baseball manga succeed in Shonen Jump, but uh, I guess it's just not meant to be quite yet. Maybe one day we'll get we'll finally get another hit baseball manga in Jump. Though honestly, 
just just my opinion here, but I'm surprised they even try at this point. Um, like I I know baseball is like a big thing in Japan. Like people in Japan, from what I understand, really really love their baseball. So I don't know. I'm I'm kind of surprised more baseball manga don't do that well in Jump. Like I I know there have been successful baseball manga in Jump, but you know that was also like a long time ago at this point. I want to say Jump's last big baseball manga was Rookies. Maxi can correct me if I'm wrong because I'm sure they would probably know better than I would. But still, it it's definitely been at least like 20 years or so, I think, since the last like big, actual, successful, long-running baseball manga in Shonen Jump. And I don't know, I, I'm hoping one day that Shonen Jump will have a successful baseball manga. But at the very least, you know, we talked about in this episode how Viz is doing like uh, digital-only releases for a lot of these canceled Shonen Jump series. So, I can't imagine that we won't get the same for Nine Dragons Ball Parade, which is pretty cool. You know, again, it's it's thanks to these uh, digital-only releases that, you know, we get stuff translated and licensed over here that I don't think would ever be possible in print. You know, I, I think without this digital-only initiative from Viz, like, I don't think a series like this would ever see the light of day as far as an English release goes. But yeah, I mean, it's it's cool that we could say like, oh, hey, you know what? Uh, you want to check out a baseball manga? Here, here's one I can actually recommend legally. That's actually kind of nice. Even if it didn't run as long as we would have liked, I mean, you know, it's still nice to have available. So, you know, that's the silver lining there. Um, but yeah, again, I can't say it enough. It is really disappointing that this had to end. Like I was, you know, I, I had heard that it wasn't doing super well, but I, I really wanted it to pull through. Because it seemed like it was just getting better and better and better. I was really, really enjoying it. I was getting really into it. But alas, that's the uh, that's the way Shonen Jump goes. That's just the way it works. And we're all subject to it. And it sucks. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, that's really about all I had to say about that. So why don't we just head back into the show? But... Uh, that's really about it for, like, Shonen Jump stuff, but we still have a few more series to talk about that art ending. Uh, and that next one is Wotakoi, Love is Hard for Otaku, in which on the 59th chapter of the series, uh, when that was released, it was revealed that the manga is ending in its next chapter on July 16th. Um, so there's that, and then I guess... Uh, one of the upcoming volumes of the manga is going to have some exclusive content with the with an original anime disc, including new anime stuff, which is pretty cool. I don't know if we'll ever get that licensed, but maybe we'll. I don't know. Um, you know what? I've talked about it on the podcast before, but Wotakoi, a pretty good series. It's really cute, and I want to read it at some point and also maybe talk about it on the show. There's a lot of stuff I want to talk about on the show, and so I know I say that a lot, but... You know, this is one of those series that, like, you know, I think for for someone of my age, you know, who's uh, 28 by the time you're listening to this. Just keep bringing that up, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, Sakaki. This, this series isn't for old people. You can get out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't mean any of that. <laughs> Please don't be mad at me. No, <laughs> you're good. No, but uh, yeah, Wiltakoi was pretty cool. Because, like, obviously it is a series about people kind of in that same age range, you know, functioning adults trying to hold a job while also being into their uh, nerdy niche hobbies or whatever. And, you know, that's it's, it's a fun time. It's very relatable. It's very cute. Um, again, I really need to read more of it. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm sad to see that it's ending, but I'm, I'm sure it's probably going to end on a good note, hopefully. 
Um, I can't wait to get back to reading it at some point, but that's kind of all I have to say about that. Uh, Sakaki, I'm going to give this to you because this next piece of news is Shonen Sunday related. It is. And this actually breaks my heart, though. Uh, Hey, mine too. (laughs) Kazuhiro Fujita's Sobote is ending with volume 25, which will be out this summer. So if, uh, and math is not my thing, so when when this show goes to production and I'm completely wrong, you can blame me. But um, if... It doesn't take any breaks with the current tempo it's going in Sunday. It should probably have about three or four chapters left. So, yeah, it, I don't know how it could end in that time. <laughs> but, like, I at this point, I, I'm, in, I'm in the Church of Fujita, and I believe in our Savior. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, maybe at this one, at being at this length, maybe it'll see a license someday. I, I just really cannot understand, besides the fact that he's in Sunday... Well, we haven't gotten any Fujita, other than length, I guess. Because, like, Ushio and Toro and Karakuri Circus are both over 30 volumes. And I, I'd assume that that's kind of a lot to get somebody to license. But at 25, that might be doable with just a digital release or something. I was going to say, even a digital release would be great. Like, I desperately want to read more of uh, Fujita's stuff. Yeah, it's really a shame that we don't have much of it other than um, uh, other than the one that came out from Kondansha, which is Ghost and Lady, I believe. So, which, which that was super good. I mean, but anything what Fujita does is pretty much super good. But yeah, it's, it's ending and that kind of is kind of part and parcel with the, like half of Sunday is either on its final arc or could end at any second besides like, you know, usual suspects, Detective Conan and um, Mao, which is Takahashi's current thing. So like most of the rest of the magazine could just end tomorrow. So it's really terrifying because <laughs> it's like, what are they going to do now? So No, I mean, just speaking as somebody who has never really read Subote, but was one of those things that uh, I think back in the day when you were kind of starting up Weekly Chicago Edition, you know, I had seen you post about, you know, randomly and I was just like, oh, you got you got to keep you got to keep posting about this. I was really into it, even though. Obviously, at that point, it wasn't being translated officially or unofficially at all. Um, But I mean, ideally, it would be great if this was like officially licensed or whatever. I I got I desperately really want to read this. Um, I mean, eventually we need to like we need to talk about some kind of Fujita work on Manga Mavericks. It it, that has to happen at some point. Oh, yeah. And definitely dial me in when you're going to do that. But it's a great series. It's a lot of it's Fujita. Like, Fujita's artwork is always insane, but, like, when he decided to tackle the horror genre, I mean, it's a house that eats people. So so it's basically like if if Fujita saw the movie Monster House and was like, I'm going to make a manga out of that. <laughs> I mean, he, he did talk about his, like, inspirations, and unfortunately I can't remember them right now. He did one day on Twitter, like, talk about his inspirations for Sobote, and they were actually pretty interesting. I, I wish I should have actually had that ready before we came on, but it's fine. But it, it's 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 a good series. Just, just if you if at all you guys talk about, like, Sobote or any Fujita, let me know. But 
I could talk about the premise of Silvate here, and it would just it wouldn't make any goddamn sense. <laughs> it would just sound like nonsense. Yeah, I, I, I get it, but it's but it's amazing nonsense. Yeah, it's amazing. Not and Fujita is great at connecting all that nonsense together and to come with a really great narrative. I mean, the final battle right now is an art off between the villain and the <laughs> the the protagonist. They're they're drawing each other. They're drawing things in a way that you'd expect like two guys to be punching each other. <laughs> so like, so it's like an art fight. Yeah, yeah, it's our fight. That that's what it is, and that's while outside tanks and shit are fighting aliens. And yeah, it's it's that's Sobote. So for sure, I'm gonna be really sad to see this go. And but I'm glad to see that like Fujita is able to end it on his terms. And I certainly hope he's not gonna leave manga because like, God, I would be that. That would be really depressing. He he just announces his retirement at the end of Sobote. <laughs> I mean, I know he's getting up there in age, but yeah, like that would be depressing if this was it from him. I have a feeling it won't be, though, because he just seems to love just drawing. I mean, look, I wouldn't mind if he wanted to go out on a high note. That's fine with me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, one, one day we'll read Sobote. But for now, it's ending, and I'm, you know what? Even if Fujita doesn't do any more manga, we still have plenty of his stuff to enjoy. And oh, yeah. That's, that's good, That's good at least. But yeah. I guess just to move on to, uh, I guess, our, our last bit of news as far as, like, any other series that are ending. This one's interesting because apparently on Amazon, the listing for the upcoming 47th volume of Yuki Suetsugu's Chihaya Furu manga is stating that the story is heading towards its climax, uh, which is interesting. So I don't know if that means it's like actually ending, ending, because uh, I think we, I forget if we talked about it on the show before, but um, Suetsugu has like come out like years and years ago at this point and said before that like, oh, Chihaya Furu is going to end around this point when which it, and, and it didn't. So like, I don't know, it's interesting, but it, it looks like it at least might be heading towards an end soon, if it if not ending soon. I don't really know for sure. Um, I, I feel like the use of the word climax when it comes to these announcements uh, for different series isn't always, like, particularly clear. It depends on the context, I think. Yeah, Japanese climax just means that, yeah, there's an ending coming, but <laughs> it's not here yet. So that's that's just the way I look at it. And if it's any, at least for shonen manga, I can't say for Chihaya Furu's, what, Jose? I think it's Jose, yeah. I was about to say Shoujo, but I wasn't sure. But yeah, like, I, I don't know if it's the same for that. But yeah, generally speaking, at least in shonen manga, just climax means e there, there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel, which, but we're still approaching it. Mm -hmm. I mean, Chihaya Furu, another series that when we originally covered it on the show a little while back, um, it's, Chihaya Furu is so good. I think I was on that episode, wasn't I? Yeah, it was you, Jekka, and uh, Corey. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, Chihaya Furu is definitely another series that we'll have to come back to when it's finished and, like, talk more about it. Because, yeah, it's it's so good. And we and we left off on such a, like, I think satisfying note. At whatever point it was, I forget. I think we got, like, 20-something volumes in. But, yeah, no. Uh, I, I need to read more of it. Um, and I'm pretty sure Kodansha is still releasing, like, digital-only volumes at this point. So that's good. Um, I was kind of worried for a bit that, like... Because I, I think they slowed down on production at one point, and I was kind of worried that they were going to drop it. But it, seem, it seems like they're still going to keep going at this point. So that's so that's good, at least. Yeah. And so I guess uh, the next thing we have to talk about here... Um, 
kind of on the subject of series ending, kind of, but I I thought this was interesting. Um, So Toru Fujisawa, who, in case you don't know, is the author of uh, GTO, Great Teacher Onizuka, and apparently stated in an interview on the Manga Numa program in Japan that his current GTO manga series, GTO Paradise Lost, is apparently is apparently intended to be the last in like the GTO manga franchise. Basically, Fujisawa specifically said that uh, once he's finished Paradise Lost, that he will return to some of his unfinished manga. Although he also added that it may be hard to return to them after such a long time, uh, he also stated that he is also considering uh, continuing them in different forms or with another protagonist. So that's interesting. Um, it's interesting to see that like he's really going to like wash his hands of GTO in particular, but I don't know if I want to say it's a huge loss because I have not heard very good things about Paradise Loss. I hear it's very, very bad. So I don't know. I mean, as bad as I hear it is, I don't know how well Paradise Lost does in particular in Japan, but like, and this was like a few years ago, so maybe things have changed. But um, when we originally covered the original GTO manga on the show, like years and years ago with our good friend and all comic contributor, Nick Rowe, he mentioned that like one of the times he was in Japan, he saw this talk show where like Fujisawa's wife was on and was like basically talking about like their living conditions and whatnot. And the dude has a huge house and apparently is like pretty filthy rich. Um, so I don't know. I guess GTO makes a lot of money. So I, I I don't know. It's kind of up in the air. We don't really know. Like, like it, it could just be because like, oh, Fujisawa maybe just isn't interested in GTO anymore. And, and again, just wants to move on to other things that he's more interested in. I don't want to just assume like, oh, GTO is not making any more money because it's bad or whatever. But, you know, um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of sad to see that like, we're, I'm, I don't know. It's kind of weird because on one hand, it's like, oh, it's kind of sad that we're not going to get any more GTO manga. But at the same time, I haven't heard very good things about Paradise Lost in particular. So maybe it's not a huge loss. I don't know. Yeah, I, I get the idea just looking at Fujisawa's like um, resume, you know, so sort. And this is all just my assumption. I don't know what goes on with him. But it does get the, it does look like GTO was like his. That was his, like, that was his most, I don't want to say most popular, because I don't know, but that it, it feels like that was the manga that kind of put him on the map. I'd be willing to say GTO is probably his most popular work. Yeah, and I feel like that that was probably a big decision. That was a contributor's decision is to continue doing that rather than other things. That's not to say all his other manga were not good. Just, you know, I mean, it, obviously, if there's your work that people are probably like yeah you know i want to see more gto that was the thing i loved or whatever that's going to probably weigh in your decision a little bit to be like "Mm, do i want to continue doing this thing that maybe less people are into or do i want to continue this other thing that you know is super duper popular you know and that could be a thing and maybe at this point now he's finally just said you know what popularity isn't enough for me whether Paradise Lost is amazing, selling well or not selling well. I think the story's been told, and I want to go move on to other things. Mm, I mean, from what I understand about uh, all the other GTO entries, like, after the original uh, manga series, like, it it seemed like they just got worse and worse, like, as far as, like, recycling old ideas that, like, were done better in the original series. Um, That's how I understand it anyway. Again, I haven't read them, and... I've, I've been told they are not worth it. So I'm, I'm going to trust my friends and other fellow GTO fans on that. I don't know. See, 
every time someone tells me like, hey, you shouldn't read that manga. It's not worth it. It's bad. That just makes me want to read it more because like <laughs> I'm one of those I'm one of those people that like loves the dumpster dive, you know? I mean, you're a contrarian. It's okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know, actually. Um, there's probably some truth to that. Um, but yeah, no, look, whatever Fujisawa decides to do in the future, I hope that he's able to at least like still make a living and i i hope that he at least gets some kind of like creative fulfillment out of the other stuff that he wants to do so all the best to him but uh i guess kind of a part of our serialization news i I think this could count because and admittedly this is probably kind of old news at this point but i think it's still worth kind of talking about because uh you know it's something that uh i'm not sure anyone was really expecting um but a few weeks ago probably closer to a month i guess at the time you're listening to this Gegek Akutami, the author of Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, basically went on like a sabbatical from Shonen Jump, and uh, it looks like he took his break around like, or at, le- at least at least the announcement of his break came out around like whatever issue came out on June thirteenth, and um, yeah, it, it looks like uh, I mean, so this is interesting, right? Because um, I remember seeing this news and and immediately being worried, like, oh no, like is Akutami okay? Because obviously, like, uh, when we got this news, we we were still just off the heels of losing Kentaro Miura, and not that that still doesn't hurt, but, like, it, we, like, the wounds were raw still, you know, so, it, admittedly, I was just like, oh, man, I really hope nothing's wrong with Akutami, what's going on here, but, uh, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and read the, uh, the note that was left in that issue of the magazine from Shonen Jump staff, Thank you for always supporting Jujutsu Kaisen. Due to Akutami Sensei's health issues, Jujutsu Kaisen will be taking a break starting next issue. Uh, Akutami Sensei wanted to continue working on the manga, but after a meeting with the editorial department, it was decided that the prudent course of action would be to take a temporary break to allow for any health issues to recover. Stay tuned for future updates in the pages of Weekly Shonen Jump. We apologize to all readers who are looking forward to the next chapter, but we hope you understand and continue to support Jujutsu Kaisen. And then I guess we can read the other note from Akutami himself, in which he says, The editorial department has been suggesting that I take a break for a while now, but I've been putting it off. The reason being that creating Jujutsu Kaisen without the rush of a weekly serialization didn't seem as attractive to me, and I wanted to draw the series so it would progress as fast as possible. A single break now and then would not be enough for me to catch up like most magaka are able to, and I would eventually be in the same place I am now. So I decided to accept the kind offer from the editorial department. It will take a break that should last about a month. I want to reassure everyone that I am not suffering from any kind of serious illness and my mental state is strong. I do apologize for the long wait. Uh, When I return, I will treat it as the start of a new series and do my very best. And I guess we have another like another note from Akutami in particular that kind of goes more into detail, Uh, but I don't have to read through all that just for the sake of time, but, uh, uh, so I don't, I don't know about you, Sakaki, but, I mean, like I said, obviously, I was very worried about Akutami and, like, what his health was like, you know, seeing this message from Weekly Shonen Jump, but, I mean, it really seems more like, and, I don't know, maybe this is also one of those things where, like, and I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist or whatever, because we, we, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, we only know as much as they're letting on or whatever, but this feels like the kind of thing where, like, I don't know if there's really anything wrong with Akutami. Like, I'm going to assume his health is okay, or at least as okay as a Magaka's health can be. But this seems <laughs> more, this this seems more like the kind of thing where, like, I wonder if maybe his time management just wasn't super great. 
and maybe he just kept falling behind on deadlines to the point where like maybe they're giving him a break to not just kind of like take some time off for himself but also maybe try to maybe also get some chapters of Jujutsu Kaisen out ahead of time maybe I don't know these are just my assumptions just my best educated guess but I don't know. It seems more like a time like a time catch up thing, if anything. But I don't know. That that's just me. Yeah, like you know, reading through the note and everything, it seems like it's a bit of both. Like the personal note he wrote was just kind of like saying, you know, a bunch of things piled up, and you know, it it is. I mean, he reassures readers that yeah, I'm not like suffering or anything like that. But then he goes a little bit more detail, and it's not that he writes something scary or anything. He's just kind of like, yeah, my chiropractor left, my back kind of hurts. I was not able to get food the way. And I know this sounds very, very bad, but like Akutami at least plays around with a sense of humor, saying like, listen, I'm fine. It's just a bunch of bunch of shit piled up, and now I'm a little behind schedule. And you have to keep in mind too that Jujutsu Kaisen became a huge hit recently. <laughs> if you weren't there for it. <laughs> Just in case, just in case you were under a rock for the last couple of months. Yeah, yeah, possibly the only other show to jump series that might rival Demon Slayer by the end of the year. At this point, Demon Slayer, it might, there's nothing it can do to not kind of outdo Demon Slayer or fry the virtue that Demon Slayer is done. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, well, oh, oh, well, let me take that back. We do have another anime season coming up, so that could That's bring true. in even yeah. more re- readers. But that being aside, yes. And part of that whole thing of being, you know, the author of a very successful manga is you're doing a lot more work, (laughs) like color pages, appearances, extra pages, extra things here or there, extra illustrations for like movies and games and stuff like that. So you're doing a crap ton more work than like a mangaka who is, you know, less popular, where they probably only have to worry about their series. I mean, besides drawing things, he probably has to approve things if they want to do like anime related stuff or he has to, you know, so it's a lot more work. And I can imagine going from Basically, like, not to say overnight, but going from JJK being like, yeah, pretty popular manga, pretty cool, you know, yeah, it's doing well, to basically being an over, uh, being this sensation in Japan. Like, yeah, I, I can't imagine that any mangaka's, like, prepared for that. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I, I'm sure Jump doesn't have a school that, you know, we're a class, a class on. So if you're, so your manga got popular, here's how to handle that. There's probably no such thing. It's just like a Captain America video where he like comes in and sits on the chair. <laughs> so your manga in Shonen Jump became a worldwide hit overnight. There's no, there's no, I'm sure there's nothing teaching mangaka that. No, not at all. So I can only imagine, you know, especially... Well, no, I take it back. JJK did kind of like, it was popular and it became a mega hit overnight. That's a better way of putting it. (laughs) So, like, I'm sure Gege, like, wasn't expecting this. And it just turns out he fell behind schedule. It's interesting, like, not to go too far off topic and not to suck up too much time. It's actually had reverberations in the manga world. Like, now different mangaka have come up, for, not so much come forward and say, yeah, my publisher treats me like garbage, but it's been kind of a thing where they've been a little bit more open about breaks and how it is. Like, I, I forgot, I think it's Ken Akamatsu, the Nekuma author, who just kind of mentioned, which I found interesting, that he said, you know, you see swimsuit models on, like, or idols on on magazine covers, and that actually gives them, it's actually less work for the authors when they do that. Compared to Jump, where it's like it's always a manga on the cover, because and it makes sense because that means a manga has to draw that versus Sunday and Champion and Magazine that have an idol, so that's less work for the mangaka to draw a cover. 
So, and he was like, there is the, he kind of hinted that at one time in the past that Jump was kind of like this very competitive atmosphere where breaks were forget forbidden, you know, calling in my inner master shake here. But, um, <laughs> like, yeah, and he just, but he did conclude by saying it is good that they are trying to be more open to taking breaks. And Atsushi Okubo, the author of Fire Force, kind of like sort of hinted at this because, like, he was done with the man. He kind of said that, you know, I don't need breaks. I'm built different, <laughs> more or less. But, <laughs> like, I mean, he didn't call Gege out by name. But basically, Shonen Magazine gave Fire Force a break, and he kind of mentioned on Twitter that I don't need one, but I'm glad that they're giving out breaks. Because he just kind of said, if if something were to happen to me, Fire Force could run another month. So without me, you know, I'm pretty good at keeping on schedule so so basically atsushi okubo is on hiromashima terms where like well okay maybe i mean actually no hiromashima is his own level because like there there have been times where like i remember when fairy tale was running and weekly shonen magazine would just be like oh here's just three chapters of fairy tale for the week here you go because that's just how much he works on or whatever. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because they had an interview together, Okubo and Mashima. And Mashima even sort of mentioned like, yeah, you know, you came from doing Soul Eater monthly to this weekly. That must be tough. And Okubo's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, like some 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 people really are just built different. Like not everybody is like, you know, Okubo or Mashima or Oda or whatever. Yeah, like, exactly. And, I mean, hell. Like, oh, and one other thing, not to go too far, is, like, Kotoyama of Call of the Night kind of made a joke tweet that it ended up getting some people in trouble around this issue because now it's in people's heads with Miura's passing and Gege's thing. But basically, you know, he kind of just said, uh, jokingly, like, yeah, I had to yell at my editor to give me a break from Call of the Night, and they finally acquiesced and gave it to me. <laughs> and, like, then, like, a couple of hours later, life comes at you fast. He's like, I'm sorry, it was a joke. A bunch of people started attacking the editor, and <laughs> I, I was kidding. I, I was kidding. We we came, we had a civil conversation about a break, and my editor was very happy to give me one. <laughs> so, like... Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm sure, yeah, obviously... You said that it was like more of a joke kind of thing. I'm sure they were just exaggerating. But I mean, like, you know, kind of with Miura's passing and everything. And I mean, I think uh, whatever magazine Miura was working for, I forget off the top of my head. A uh, young animal. Yeah. If I remember correctly, like they went out of their way to be like, hey, look, like, you know, Miura had this like condition, but he was still like trying to live like a healthy lifestyle by like eating well and like going outside exercising or whatever. So I don't know if in Miura's case it was, like, completely due to, like, overwork, but that's not to say that, like, you know, that the level of work he was putting out, even if he did have his own studio, like, prob I'm not going to say that wasn't, like, a contributing factor, because I'm sure at least it was a little bit from, like, how long he was working in the industry, but, you know, point being, like, that doesn't invalidate the fact that, like, there is a lot of overwork in the manga industry, and, I mean... Look, a cynical part of my brain is kind of also thinking like, well, Jujutsu Kaisen's popular, so that's probably also why they gave Akutami in particular, like, this long of a break. But look, I mean, whatever the reasoning was, I'm just I'm just glad more manga authors or mangaka are, are getting these breaks because they deserve them. And, you know, I love manga. I really do. If you couldn't tell, that's why I podcast about it. But if I had to choose between... The, the well-being of these artists and, like, my weekly fix or whatever, I would really prefer to not have these people die over manga. 
Yeah, and unfortunately, it is kind of a thing in the industry, too, which is another side that I don't want to go too deep in since we have a lot of stuff to talk about. But yes, <laughs> it is kind of a thing where, yeah, you do have mangaka who are like the publishers, like begging them to stop. And they're like, no, just one more page. Yeah, <laughs> we're looking at you, Oda. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, jump at least gives Mr. I'll the- die for one piece. <laughs> I mean, at least, like, a Jump is giving him the three weeks and then one week off. So, like, but I'm pretty sure if we were a fly in the wall in that conversation, they more or less had to pull his arm to even get that. <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So, but, yeah, it is just a thing, like, and, and I, and you know, I always do, like, whether it's story, like, decisions or stuff like this, I always do kind of bristle a little bit when people are like, yeah, those editors, they're the worst. And it's like, you don't know. Like, they could be, whether it's, like, you don't like that this story trajectory went this way, or the manga took a break or didn't, you don't know what's going on there. You, The editor, too, could be just like, bro, please, we don't want you to die. And so, like, yeah. I mean, but no, I'm definitely not going to also say that there isn't that element where editorial is like, yeah, <laughs> this is popular. Keep it coming. You know, you chose this. <laughs> you cho- <laughs> Like... I guess what I'm just saying is, like, I don't want to say blame goes both ways, but I definitely think that there's always more to every story. No, I get what you're saying, but still, I'm, I'm glad that Akutami even got this break in the first place. And, and hey, you know what? You never know. By the when, when this episode of the podcast comes out, you know, we'll obviously be, like, closer to when Akutami said he wanted to come back. But, you know, it's also kind of up in the air because... He says specifically, like, oh, like, this break is preferably going to be a month, but it's still kind of up in the air, basically. So, yeah. uh, hey, you never know. By the time this episode comes out, maybe he'll be back in jump with more chapters of Jujutsu Kaisen. We don't know. But if he needs to take longer to kind of recover his time or his health, like, that's totally fine with me. I don't want these people killing themselves for their comics. That's just me personally. You know, t- take care of yourself so you can. That'd be nice. Yeah. But I guess uh, I don't think there's anything else I want to add on to that story. Again, I, I just I just hope Akutami gets all the rest he needs. Um, but I think that's really about it for serialization news. And I guess we're going to go into some licensing news here. And uh, the first thing I'm going to say really quickly, um, we talked about Viz doing digital only releases for some of their shorter lived uh, Shonen Jump manga. Um, but this th- this one actually got revealed during an episode of the official Shonen Jump podcast, episode 414 in particular, uh, the one with Deb Aoki, who I think we mentioned on the show before, but if you haven't listened to it, you should go listen to it. It's a, it's a good episode. But uh, they specifically mentioned that me and Roboco is going to be getting digital volumes coming this October, and uh, that's something they're going to be working on. So... Yeah, again, me and Roboco, uh, another series that is uh, super good and I hope doesn't get canceled because it's probably the funniest thing in Jump right now. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I I put reading that off and I'm so glad that I finally warmed up to it because it's it's one of my favorite things to read each week. Oh, my God. That's unfortunately, that's another thing I'm kind of behind on. So, like, God, I have I have a lot of stuff to catch up on. I should probably catch up on Roboco at some point because it is genuinely a very funny manga. And I'm I'm glad to see that it's getting like an official digital release. And just in general, I'm glad that Viz is releasing any kind of like jump gag manga in particular, because like those seem like the kind of series that like they were really, really hesitant towards doing anything with because they I'm assuming they don't sell very well. But you know, this is why I love digital as, like, an avenue for this kind of stuff. Like, even if it's digital only, I'm glad it's being sold at all. So, there's that. 
more officially released English jump gag manga, please. I'm here for it. But yes, that's going to be coming in October. And so, yeah, looking forward to buying those. But I guess just to move on to some other stuff here, specifically when it comes to like manga subscription website stuff. Uh, so Manga Planet in particular has licensed two new titles, uh, one of them being a, a manga from Takehiko Inoue, uh, in case you don't know, is the author of such series as Slam Dunk, Real, and Vagabond. And they have released Buzzer Beater, which looks like is gonna, I, I think it's supposed to be out by the time you're listening to this, in which several hundred years in the future, the Earth sport known as basketball gains popularity all over the universe in a landscape where every pro basketball player in the Intergalactic League is from every other planet but Earth, an elderly millionaire named Yoshimune decides to fulfill his dream of having Earthlings play in the league. Will the promise of a 100 million contract let him find a once-in-a-lifetime dream team he needs? Um, so this just sounds like Space Jam by Takahiko Inoue. Oh my god. <laughs> What's funny Except is that it doesn't reading, involve Looney Tunes. What's funny is I was reading about, like, the, I was reading the premise the other day about this and, you know, looking for different things that kind of... It got an anime, too, so I was looking at the anime premise. I was like, oh, this is something I might want to check out. So it's really interesting to see it here, though. Mm-hmm. Um, what's interesting about this is this was a full-color manga launched in 1996 on the Sports Eye ESPN website, uh, which ended in 1998 as well. So if I remember correctly, I think uh, I think Slam Dunk at like... I, I'm pretty sure it ended around 1996, 1997. Like, it's it's somewhere in that ballpark when he started the series, which is really interesting to hear because, like, you know, we were kind of talking about overwork uh, a little bit earlier. And, I mean, uh, Inoue is definitely one of those artists from back in the day that I think got really overworked to the point where now he, he just kind of does manga when he feels like it, unfortunately. I mean unfortunately for us who loves his work, but fortunately for him who gets to actually, you know, live his life and like take care of his health or whatever. Um, so that's really interesting. I, I honestly thought this series was a little like, I didn't think the series was this old, honestly, especially since this is technically a web manga, uh, which is so interesting to see that like that kind of thing like existed so early on, especially considering what internet was like around then. But yeah, I mean, this is a really cool get. I mean, this on top of real being digitally available is super great. I'm really hoping we get to the point one day where like maybe his other stuff will become digitally available, like with Vagabond and Slam Dunk. Or, you know, if Slam Dunk isn't digital, at least release those special editions that did really, really well the year those came out. Ah, man, I just need more Takahiko Inoue manga. I really love his stuff. It's super great. Um, but speaking of Manga Planet, I also want to talk about another series that they licensed from uh, Yumi Sudo entitled Miyako Bijin Yawa, in which 26-year-old Keiichi just got out of his dreadful former job, so it's no surprise that the sight of his abusive ex-boss still makes him run for the hills, and ride into a strangely horror-themed bar. There, he meets Miyako, a kimono-clad beauty who lets him air out his grievances, uh, her quiet charm and love for horror stories has Keiichi so smitten that he wishes he could meet her again. But will he still want to be around her, even after finding out the real reason behind her kindness that night? So yeah, this seemed really interesting. I hadn't heard about this uh, until Manga Planet announced it or whatever. Um, 
And yeah, I don't know. This this just sounds interesting. It could be uh, possibly a light horror manga at the very least. Um, you know, the, the cover art looks super good. Um, you know, just, just some more interesting stuff from Manga Planet. Again, uh, more stuff for me to check out in my never-ending list of uh, backlog titles. I'm sure you probably don't know what that feels like, Sakaki. <laughs> I, you can, I do. You, you can never understand my pain. No, I. you can understand my pain. At least you're limited to stuff that's <laughs> available in, only in English. You learn Japanese. You just never ends, man. It never <laughs> ends. <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on from Manga Planet and talk about a- another manga subscription service, I think owned by the same company, I'm pretty sure, with uh, Futakia, who, um, if you haven't listened to one of our latest episodes, we actually just did a episode covering some of the titles on Futakia with editor-in-chief Emma Hanashiro. It was a really great episode. Um, those were some of the first BL titles I ever read, including stuff like Hard Biscuits, Campanella, and Yuki and Matsu. Uh, some really great stuff on Futakia. Um, I don't want to turn into like an advertisement or anything, but I am just saying this because Futakia really is like a worthwhile service, especially if you're looking for boys love manga. And I say this because uh, they have added a few new titles recently, which we don't normally like talk about this because usually when Futakia adds new titles to their catalog, they just they just kind of add a bunch of titles and there's never usually like a lot of info on them. Uh, but we actually have some info on some of these titles that they've uh, licensed recently. The first four being all titles from the same author with uh, Kazuki Natsume. The first two out of these four uh, with Mods and Before Night, which um, I guess just to kind of give a truncated explanation here. So both of these titles are basically different stories that like take place in the same like gay escort service or whatever. I think Mods specifically about a guy who like ends up getting a job as a hotel pickup driver, quote unquote. And that leads him to this service and he gets assigned to one of their employees or whatever. And the night before night is specifically about like the owner of the service who I guess used to be a Yakuza member and has to like uh, hide and guard like the head of a plan or whatever uh, that turns into a whole thing. I'm doing such a great job of explaining these titles, but I basically just wanted to put out there that these are these do take place like in the same universe. So if you like one, you'll probably like the other. Uh, the next two, again, also from Kazuki Natsume, uh, we have I Hate, which is about a 27-year-old named Nozomi Hirose, uh, who has dated girls before, but he's never even been able to kiss any of them. Uh, he puts all the blame for his little problem on his high school classmate, Kiria, who randomly asked if they could be kissing buddies. Uh, you know, friends who can kiss sometimes. Because, you know, that's a thing. Yeah. Um, what, you don't you don't kiss your friends? <laughs> I mean, if they asked, (laughs) I wouldn't be opposed. (laughs) Uh, What happens when they meet again as adults 10 years after Hirose ran out on a kiss that went on for far too long? And you know what? This sounds like my personal nightmare, and I'm going to be specific. This sounds like my worst nightmare in the sense of I hate running into old people from high school that, like, I didn't really know at all, but, like... They kind of act like, oh, it's it's like my old friend from high school that I always talk to, even though we didn't talk for more than like collectively, maybe like a whole week or whatever the whole time I was at school with you. Um, I'm not saying this is that, but like, you know, I was like, I read the synopsis for this and I was just thinking like, man, I hate I hate running into people I don't care about from high school in general, uh, let alone someone that I, I may have kissed for too long one time or whatever. That just that just sounds like an extra layer of awkward. I don't know. 
but yeah, I don't know. Uh, in terms of other, in terms of BL, this sounds pretty, pretty steamy. I don't know if you're into it. Check it out. Uh, last week we have by my side again from Kazuki Natsume, in which K and Chio have been each other's best bros for the past ten years, and now they're living in neighboring apartments as adults. Chio thinks that after spending most of their lives together, he knows everything that there is to know about his friend until he walks in on K, moaning his name in the dark. Again, just just ten layers of awkward there. <laughs> But hey, you know what? Another really steamy title that, you know, if you're into BL, you should you should check it out. You know, in general, like, I, I'd be interested in checking out some of, at least some of these titles. Um, again, I'm, I'm still kind of, like, figuring out, like, what I'm into and, like, what I'm not so into when it comes to BL. But these all sound like like titles that I, I would at least like to try, you know? So there's that. Um, I mean, at the very least, I would at least be up for trying these compared to, like, the other three titles we have to talk about real quick uh, that were also announced for Futakia. The first one we're going to talk about is Sampling Sex from Nakalot, in which I'm assuming our main character, uh, Areda, may have gotten himself into his college under, under upperclassmen's adult toy company, but he never really thought of putting his hands on the merchandise. Not until big, burly Sakuma asked him for some help. Areta's skills may be focused on device connectivity, but is that the only thing he wants to connect with Sakuma right now? So yeah, I can't see what could possibly go wrong in a BL manga taking place in a sex toy factory. I don't, I don't see how you can get a story out of that. I'm, you know, this is me. <laughs> I I love these descriptions. I mean, I, I I hate to sound dismissive, but they're always even if I don't have any interest in reading them, these descriptions will always just like not that I laugh at them in the dismissive way, but they're always so much better <laughs> descriptions <laughs> for anything else <laughs> they, they get your attention yeah exactly they're they're like you you get a shonen manga it's just like dude punches other dude and that's it <laughs> you're, you're left to read it you know sports manga they play sports but then you get you get to these and you get you get a whole like like a whole curriculum vitae of like what's gonna happen in this point and i love it like Look, you joke, but if someone brought me a manga and the literal description was guy punches another guy, I'd be like, okay, I'll, I'll take a look. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. <laughs> I just liked it. And they always use these fun euphemisms and everything. And I just love it. I do. Like, I I'm looking at this one. Honestly, I would probably, I, I, I mean, me personally, I'm not super into like, not, and this is, this is not just to do with boys love, but I'm not into the whole sexy thing, but like, I would honestly give like, uh, at least just artwork wise, these are always, these all look really good, but let me let you, you know, go on with the other description. I, I was going to say, let's, let's not, let's not speak too soon because this next one, um, I'm glad they gave a warning at the end because um, again, I don't want to yuck anyone's yums. I don't want to, you know. <laughs> That's such a great way of putting that. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to make it sound like you know. Well, if you're into this, you, there's clearly something wrong. Like you know, I. I don't. I don't want to come off like judgmental or of other people's tastes or whatever. And and if I do, like, please call me out on it. I don't. You know, th that that's a whole other thing. But I want to be called out on that as much as possible. Um. So I'm trying to be careful. But you know, we've also explained before. Uh, especially on our Futakia episode, that there are some dynamics that Lum and I just aren't comfortable with. And uh, this one might be one of them. With the nature of master-slave relationship from Makuno, 
in which we're in a world where humans are either doms who live to follow or subs who live to serve. Uh, Akito, who is a sub, is kept under the careful lock and key by his master and uncle Naohisa, bound with the promise that he could be unchained and see the world when he comes of age. Akito thinks he's perfectly fine with the status quo until one night a man breaks into their house and Akito's life. And there's a there's an incest warning at the end. And I'm look, I'm glad that they gave that warning at the at the end, because I got to tell you, uh, as much as I'm kind of finding my way through BL and like what I'm comfortable with, um, I, I incest, I think, is like, a, mm, I don't know about that. I don't know if I'm really comfortable with that. Again, that's just me. You know, I don't want to judge anyone who is into that. Because uh, I'm sure there are, there are worthwhile stories that, like, explore that kind of thing thoughtfully, probably. But uh, I don't know. This this whole thing is really, really not up my alley. Um, but if it is for you, you know, that's totally fine. Just not for me. And yeah, that's all I have to say about that. So I guess the last one I want to talk about from Futakia is Please Don't Bite Me So Much from Sango Mitsuru. I love the titles of these two. <laughs> <laughs> it is It is pretty good. Uh, it's going to take more than a half-hearted die job for plain face Yanagi to make a successful college debut, and that's something he has to learn the hard way. His senior at work, Igarashi, whose effortless looks and intense personality make him popular with everyone, uh, might be the best person to ask for advice. But should he really trust the same guy who randomly bit his finger to hold a piercing gun to his earlobe? And th this this one sounds like it could be... Again, I don't know if this one's really up my alley either, but... You know, if 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 you're, I guess if you're looking for something that's a little, a little rougher, you know, um, you know, a lot of people are into that kind of thing. So hey, maybe it's for you. Again, I think personally, I would be more willing to give the other half of the Futakia licenses more of a chance than some of these ones. Uh, I mean, sampling sex sounds like it could be pretty good. Maybe. Um, again, this is totally just a preference thing. Can't stress that enough. But um, if we haven't said it enough, like Futakia has like hundreds and hundreds of these kinds of titles. Like it's like if you're looking for BL manga, you, you will probably not run out of stuff to read on that on that service in particular. And, you know, we definitely recommend you checking it out as, as well as Manga Planet. You know, just definitely go check those out if you're looking for like new stuff to read. Um, but that's enough for Futakia for now. So we're going to move on to Sublime, which in case you don't know, is Viz's uh Boys Love imprint. Um, first off, we have, uh, let's see, we have links from Natsuki Kizu, who apparently is the author of Given, which I know is a very, very popular BL series at the moment. Uh, very well-received anime. Uh, another series that I hear is, I hear good things about that I do want to give a chance at some point. And just to kind of keep this one short, links is basically seemingly like an anthology kind of thing where it's basically a collection of stories about four not quite lovers as they find what links them together so you know people who are basically getting to know each other you know stories that all kind of have like the same theme and motif you know um that's that's kind of about it for that um sounds like it could be interesting you know um maybe if i get into given and i like natsuki kizu's works you know maybe i'll give this a try i don't know next one we have scattering his virgin bloom from Ayasakio, in which Hana, an Omega frequently mistaken for an alpha, works at a local cafe, and at 26 years old, he's somehow never gone into heat and still retains his virginity. 
uh, when his first heat finally hits, it's in front of arrogant uh, Alpha Renjaku, uh, a regular at his cafe he has a secret crush on. Uh, will a sought-after Alpha such as Renjaku take his coffee and go, or will he take something much sweeter instead? So, again, speaking of steamy, this one looks especially steamy. And, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'll try it out. I don't know. It seems like it could be a good time. Yeah, I mean, I'm digging your artwork on the cover. Oh, it looks like it's only going to be two volumes long. Oh, it was only two volumes long. Okay, yeah, I can see it. So the way I know, besides, you know, reading, obviously, what a has, is that an interesting factoid about Japanese manga is two-volume long series have, uh, they're just known as top and bottom. <laughs> like, I can see oh. on the kanji. On the- <laughs> I hesitated saying this. But yes, I just looked at the cover of this and yeah, it had the kanji for uh, the top. And so anything that's two volumes, they don't just have volume one and two. They have the kanji for the top one and the volume two is the bottom one. So that's how you can, you know, once you learn that kanji, that's how you can tell when something's only going to be two volumes long, generally speaking. But yeah, this is, this one sounds kind of interesting. I'm okay. Heat and never, I, I, the, the only thing I guess throws me off a little bit, it's just like going into heat. Or are they like? I, well, I, I think they just mean like, oh, now like he he just he really wants to fuck really bad, or like he's really horny. He's he's like really horny. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That makes more sense. Because yeah, that was the thing that had me lost for a second. I'm just like, what? Or I, mean, I thought <laughs> when you were reading it, I didn't look at the page, so I thought I was like, oh, they must be wolf dudes, and I was just like, oh wait, no, they're they're not. <laughs> no. Did, did did you think like in heat as in like? Well, well, if he's hot, like he should, he should go get a drink of water. Or something. <laughs> I mean, no, I just thought it was like the animal. I, I thought like you know it was uh, you know an animal thing. Like they were, but I thought they were like animals, like they were wolf dudes or something like that, or some kind of animal that goes into heat. So like the description of the story was just like, oh yeah, you have this one guy. He's like, yeah, you know, I'm cool. I don't really need anybody. I'm fine. And then one day he's just around <laughs> the right guy. And then suddenly his animal instincts just flare up and he needs him. He needs him. That's what I was thinking at first. And I looked at the cover and I'm like, wait, no, they're both human. What does that mean then? <laughs> I mean, I think the same thing could apply to humans too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, your explanation really, I mean, as as <laughs> as blunt as it was, helped me understand. <laughs> dude, dude, he just, it's fine. He just wants to fuck. <laughs> I need somebody out there to make a voice clip that I can just use on my phone <laughs> whenever I get a text. Fuck. <laughs> oh, please, please, please don't use that. You're going to you're going to get yourself so many like weird looks. I don't want I don't want to be the cause of that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so this was one I, I, I would actually try to check out just because I like the I like the uh, cover artwork. Oh, gee, like you're, you're going to be like in church or something. <laughs> And your phone's gonna co- go off. He just wants to fuck. He just wants to fuck. <laughs> that would be, and that would be totally on me for not ha- for having my phone on in church. <laughs> that would not be your fault or anyone else's. And then, and then, like the old lady next to you is just like, "Why do you have your phone on in church? That's so rude." Just like ignore it. Just like ignoring your uh, your actual text tone or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> But yes, please go check these out if they tickle your fancy, or if you just want to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. A- anyway, um. We 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 have a lot of fun here today, but we do need to move on to the rest of our licenses. And speaking of Viz, they actually announced at least one title that, in case you don't know, has a 
I guess, a popular anime on Netflix right now. I mean, the last time I checked, it was, like, at number 10 on, like, the entire service or whatever. Like, I, I guess out of everything that, like, people were watching or whatever. And that is Record of Ragnarok. Uh, I think literally, like, the day before it went on to Netflix, Viz basically announced that they had the license to this. And basically, they're going to be launching this digitally first uh, this fall. And then they're going to be releasing this physically in spring 2022. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, in, in case you don't know what this series is and you haven't already checked it out on Netflix, basically, uh, Record of Ragnarok, how to best describe this? It's basically fate if it were Gash Bell. And that's <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I, I guess I guess that's kind of a way to put it, but like, <laughs> no, b- b- basically, but basically, all these gods get together and decide whether they should just wipe out humanity or not because humanity sucks. And you know what? I don't really blame them for thinking that way. It's fine. I get it. We do kind of <laughs> suck. We make terrible decisions. Um, but so Brunhild in particular uh, decides, hey, maybe we shouldn't wipe them out. Maybe we should like uh, do this Ragnarok thing. Base. I'm really paraphrasing here. Um, but they should basically hold this tournament where they put gods and like the strongest figures from seven million years worth of history against each other. And basically, depending on who wins, humanity will either be saved or destroyed. And um, I don't want to turn this into a whole rant or anything, but I checked out the first ep- two, like two episodes on Netflix and I kind of heard things about the series and like. And and look, you know, it, like if you like if you like the series, I don't want to take that away from anybody. You know, if you actually enjoy the anime, but I gotta tell you, boy, those first two episodes were kind of rough to sit through. Like, and maybe it's just because I had a I I had a lot of expectations because like the premise for this series is kind of wild. Like you literally ha- like the first match of this series is literally Thor against like some. Uh, I think his name is Lu Bu. I think that's yeah, how Lu you pronounce Bu. his name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like like a figure from like the Three Kingdom stories, I think. I'm not very familiar with Three Kingdoms, so forgive me. But yeah, like literally like famous historical figures and gods just battling each other. Like this sounds like the kind of thing that should be like fucking awesome, right? And it is. I don't want to make it sound like it's not because the, the concept is really great. And I'm sure, like, the manga's good, too. Like, that's the thing. Like, watching the show on Netflix, I could easily tell this was something where, like, the manga is probably better. And, like, the level of production that something like this would need just isn't here, unfortunately. Like, it doesn't look like total shit or whatever, but, like, it is a lot. Like, there's not a lot of actual animation or whatever. Things very barely move. Like, in the second episode... They literally go through the backstories of, like, both fighters, and most of the time it's a lot of slideshows. Like, it's, I don't know, it just it just wasn't that interesting. It just wasn't really keeping my attention. But again, I'd be willing to check out the manga, at least. Like, I've heard good things about it, because I know people like this series, so, I don't know. I was about to ask, when you said it was popular on Netflix, I was like, is it popular for the right reasons, though? Because <laughs> I haven't really heard very good things about it, either. And, I mean, the premise... I'm going to be brutally honest, it sounds really dumb, but dumb in a fun way, so I'm fine with it. No, 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 yeah, like, like if you if you watch this thing, like, there's literally a god character who I think is Aphrodite, who literally her breasts are so huge, they have to have two people holding them up, 
And like when like battle shock waves happen, her her breasts just like flop over her entire head. Like you you know what kind of series this is going to be (laughs) based on stuff like that. Like this is not the kind of thing you're meant to really take seriously. Like it knows what it is. And I, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, it, that's, the, in fact, that's the best way of putting it. And, and I always appreciate a series that's just like, I, I'm just going to throw away pretense and just be the fuck who I am. Because <laughs> there are lots of series out there that'll be like, they'll pretend to be really deep and everything, or to pretend to have this, you know, moral or, you know, to to make themselves stand out. But no, I, I always appreciate series that are just balls of walls insane. <laughs> and they revel in it, you know. So I, I too would probably check out the manga of this, but yeah, the anime I haven't really heard very good things. Yeah, no, I mean, I guess uh, to plug our good friend Grant, who uh, we haven't had on the show yet, but there's going to be an episode with him coming up in a few months, maybe, that probably will or won't be Fist of the North Star. Um, so <laughs> un- 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 until until his episode comes up, I really want to plug the review that he did for ANN because uh you know, after watching the first two episodes, I was kind of curious about, like, how the rest of the show was going to be in terms of, like, equality or whatever. And it doesn't, it seems like it has, a like, a few high points, but a lot of low points from what I'm getting from Grant's uh, review. Like, I-, I thought he was incredibly fair, you know? Grant basically said that it wasn't, like, the worst thing ever made or whatever. But for, for a series of, like, this caliber and, like, w- with the kind of, like concept and premise that you're dealing with it kind of requires a certain level of production that just isn't there unfortunately so yeah we'll we'll leave a link in the show notes for anybody who wants like a clearer picture of like what the anime is like without like actually watching it if you're not that interested but if you are you know just just pick up the manga it's coming soon uh but that's really about it for like business stuff so i guess we can go on to some kodansha stuff which uh they they just announced that this uh, at the time of this recording uh, a few digital only titles coming up uh, this July. Uh, the first one being that's my a typical girl from Shohachi Hagimoto and Renji Morita. Looks like it's coming out on July sixth, which again will probably be out by the time you're listening to this. In which Yokoi is a manga artist who spends his night delivering newspapers just to make rent, uh, since his original works just don't seem to sell. Uh, suddenly, one day, he gets a visit from Saito-san, a self-proclaimed fan of Yokoi's work uh, who made the long journey to meet him. Yokoi quickly realizes that the things Saito-san sees, feels, and thinks about are different from most people. These two struggle together to find a place to belong in this unique slice of life. This one, I think I've seen around before. I feel like I've seen people, like, maybe it was Maxi, I don't know, but I feel like I've seen people tweet about this in like Japanese or whatever. And this seemed like an interesting series. I, uh, I like the art anyway. And you know what? I kind of like the premise too. Like, uh, I, I like the idea of two like outcasts kind of like finding each other or whatever. It's, it's, it sounds like it could be nice. And then, uh, oh boy, this is going to be a mouthful, but I'm going to try. Um, next up, we have Fate Grand Order, Epic of Remnant, Pseudo Singularity 3, The Stage of Carnage, Shimosa, Seven Duels of Swordmasters. God, why is that title so long? What is that? Are are you sure you didn't actually read the title for a light novel just now? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it's a light novel. It sounds like three different light novel titles mixed together. (laughs) Oh, boy. So, okay, look, I don't know anything about fate. As I've said on the podcast before, Sakaki, are you familiar with fate at all? No. (laughs) Okay, good, good, fine. Uh, I don't know why I said good. Um, <laughs> well, you didn't want to feel alone. It's okay. <laughs> you, I'm here for you. <laughs> 
So this is also going to be coming out on July 6th. Again, it'll probably be out by the time you're listening to this. If you're a fan of Fate Grand Order, this is a side story, apparently. And if, if you're a Fate fan, you'll probably like it. I don't know. I can't really say much about it. Kodansha really doesn't give give me much to work with here. And even if they did, I probably wouldn't understand a single word of it anyway, because I don't know anything about fate. <laughs> me neither. And, and I feel like whoever wrote this just figured, listen, if you know this, if you're reading this shit, you know what you're getting into. <laughs> just just buy it. They should have just wrote, hey, you know what fate is, right? Just buy this. I mean, they, they even just say that in the opening. Fans of fate, Grand Order, rejoice. <laughs> a new side story appears with all the twists and turns you might expect epic of Merminent is here like that's just straight up saying you know this shit this isn't an entryway so if you're reading this and thinking <laughs> that you a f- unwashed fate pleb, pleb can start here you're wrong <laughs> hey are you new to fate and want to get into it don't start here <laughs> yeah that's what this description tells me in a very polite way <laughs> Look, respectfully, don't read this if you're not a Fate fan. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Don't read this if you're a pleb. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it that way, but yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I, it's that's, that's, that's not me. That's that's the hypothetical Kodansha uh, description, not me. That, that, that is fair. I mean, Fate's a thing I've wanted to get into, but it's just so intimidating. <laughs> like same, Same here. Maybe I'll try it one day. I don't know. Yeah. I might need V-Lord and Lum's help on that, honestly. They they might be the only ones who can help me with that. Yeah, and our good buddy Marion. I feel like they know a bit. I feel like, yeah, I've talked to them a bit about it. So, I mean, the three of them, with their powers combined, I'm sure they can make us Fate fans in, like, maybe a, day, a week or so. But, <laughs> but like, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. All right, we spent enough time talking about fate. Um, let's move on to In the Clear Moonlit Dusk from Mika Yamamori, which will be out on July 13th. Yoi Takeguchi has long legs, a deep voice, and a handsome face. In other words, Yoi is such a good-looking guy that most people don't notice or care that she is, in fact, a girl. Indeed, she's had the nickname Prince as long as she can remember, That is until she met Ichibura-senpai, the only person who's really seemed to see her for herself. To her surprise, she's not sure how to handle this new relationship, especially when her newfound friend is a prince himself and a guy prince at that. Uh, The story of two high school princes starts here. I mean, first off, the cover for this looks pretty beautiful, actually. I really love the style for this already. I might check this out. But, uh, I mean, also... When I first read the synopsis for this thing, I kind of thought we were leading into like a like a queer trans narrative kind of thing, which I think would have been interesting. I mean, not, not that I'm saying I'm necessarily disappointed it didn't go that way, though that would have been cool. But th- that's that's kind of what I thought at first when I read through like through like the halfway point of the synopsis. But and, and maybe those themes aren't there. I don't know. Or maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But like, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting that the protagonist of this series is like this sort of like masculine looking girl i don't know i don't know if they'll like do anything with that or like that that's just kind of like a thing that's there i don't know it's it sounds like it could be interesting though still i like just from honestly if i saw this in a bookstore and i just saw the cover alone i would definitely flip through this yeah the synopsis sounds really interesting i mean i'm not totally it does sound like it's gonna eventually become a romance which does turn me off a little but I would at least. It's okay, be... Sakaki. You hate love. I get it. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
maybe a little um <laughs> but no, <laughs> no like yeah like i i too would probably check this out just based on the cover and the synopsis because it has potential to go somewhere maybe and to defy expectations is a good way to put it i th- i think so too yeah Next up, we have Saving Sweets for After Hours by Kane Sato. That'll be coming out on July 20th, uh, in which Reika has it all. She's a model, tall, cool beauty with a high-powered job at her sweets company. But it's precisely because of all that that she's never had a boyfriend. Men find her too unapproachable or beg her to be their mistress in the S&M sort of way. Uh, but when she meets a young co-worker, Hasegawa-kun... She happens to find out that they have more in common than their job, uh, including secrets. And look, I'm just going to say it. My Gintama riddled poison mind <laughs> cannot imagine anyone else when I hear the last name Hasegawa. I'm sorry. It's just how my brain is wired. <laughs> God, now I, now I could think of is that too. Maru de Dame ni Onisan. Man. Um, again, c- cover for this one, very good, very colorful. Uh, I would check this out also. Um, looks like it could be good. Um, look, I also have a sweet tooth, so I don't know. Maybe maybe that has something to do with that. I don't know. I, I like I like my sweets. Uh, maybe a little too much. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I would check this out as well. Um, the next up, we have My Darling Next Door by Rukana. Uh, that'll be coming out on July 27th. Uh, in which Ririka thinks she must be missing out. After all, what high school girl isn't obsessed with romance? But when a young, handsome salary man moves in next door, she realizes she may be able to understand the appeal of crushes after all. I don't know about this one because I don't know if I'm really into, like, age gap stuff. I mean, maybe they're just not telling us everything, but I don't know how I feel about stories where, like, high school girls have crushes on like older men because like uh, sometimes that leads into some some kind of weird stuff i mean i'm not saying it can't be done in like an innocent way because like you know we also have stuff like uh i think it's called after the rain where like uh, a high school girl like develops a crush on like the manager of like a cafe or whatever i've heard good things about that series in particular so maybe this could be like the same thing but i don't know age gap love stories like I, I feel like either have a chance of like being really innocent or like, or, you know, sometimes uh, maybe fearing g- g- a little weirder and not very comfortable places. I don't know. It's kind of a toss up. You never know. So I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know if I would check it out myself, but hey, if it's good, you know, let me know. I'm, I'd be up for it. I'd be up for checking it, uh, checking it out if it is good. But uh, uh, last one of these Kodansha licenses we're going to talk about is Oni Mai. I'm now your sister by Neko Tofu. That'll be coming out on July 27th, in which Mahiro Oyama was just a normal, erotic, game-loving dude until he woke up one morning as a woman. Turns out his math scientist little sister, Mihari, tried out one of her new experiments on him with a disastrous outcome as far as Mahiro's concerned. But Mahari is as determined to study him as he is determined to go back as his shutting game playing life. And one thing's for sure, life is going to get a whole lot weirder from here on out. I'm just going to say... I am 100% sure that I've read, like, doujinshi with this exact same plot. <laughs> huh. I mean, I'm looking through the author's profile on and on just Googling them, and yeah, they mainly do doujinshi, so... <laughs> oh, that explains a lot. Okay. So, I mean, this is 15 volumes and ongoing. 
So wow, that it's and what's weird to me is that it's not even Kodansha. It's published in Comic Rex. Is that owned by Kodansha? Uh, I'm pretty sure it isn't, but um, I'm going to look. Ichijisha. Um, let me see. Are they related to Kodansha at all? Oh, okay. Yeah. In 2016, Ichijisha was acquired by Kodansha. And now it's fully okay. wholly owned. So that does make sense. Because I remember looking at it, I was just like, wait, what? Kodansha is spreading out? But yeah, they bought this company. So, okay. But yeah, it's 15 volumes long and still ongoing. So somebody's <laughs> enjoying it. <laughs> I mean, look, again, if you enjoy it, that's cool. But and I, maybe maybe it's good. I don't know. Um, I'd at least flip through it. But I mean, I guess out of all the Kodansha stuff, I'm the most interested in saving sweets for after hours and in the clear moonlight dusk. Those are the ones I th- oh, I guess my atypical girl, too. Those are the ones I'm kind of like interested in the most. Everything else I can kind of take or leave it. But that's just me. But yeah, I guess we're done with Kodansha, and now we can get on to uh, Yen Press in particular, which at the time of this recording, these were just announced today. Um, So we're going to start off with Spy Classroom, uh, written by Takemachi, uh, illustrated by Kaname uh, Seiyu, Seiyu? Seiyu? I think that's how you pronounce that, Uh, with character designs by Tomari, in which the golden age of military has passed, and war is now carried out by spies. Klaus, an agent with a perfect record, but a difficult personality, has formed a special team to carry out an impossible mission with a 90% failure rate. Problem is, the ones he's chosen are a bunch of pretty girls with no experience. So I guess this guy's going to have to teach them right on the field. I don't know. Sounds like it could be interesting, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that sounds fun. And the, the cover illustration looks great. Mm-hmm. No, actually, it does look pretty good. I guess real quickly, the next thing to mention here um, is that uh, Yen Press is going to be releasing Toilet Bound Hanako-kun Volume 0, which apparently is going to be containing uh, all three chapters of, like, uh, Hanako-kun's, like, original serialization from G-Fantasy, which is interesting. I I guess Toilet Bound Hanako-kun kind of had the same thing as, like, some of these newer Jump series are getting, where it's like, hey, we're going to run, like, a proof-of-concept serialization in, like, another magazine, and then and then if that, that does well, we'll give you, like, a full serialization. That's kind of how this sounds to me, anyway. But, yeah, I mean, as we've talked about, you know, in our book scan list uh, segments and whatnot, like, Toilet Bound Hanako-kun for Yen Press is doing really well, so I'm not that surprised that they would, like, pick up other stuff related to the manga. That's pretty cool, actually. So yeah, I mean, eventually I would like to check out Toilet Bound Hanako-kun because I've heard good things about it. Um, but next up, we have Dragon and Ceremony, which is a light novel written by Ichime Tsukushi and uh, illustrated by Enji, in which to fulfill his master's last request, half-human one craftsman Ix, I think that's how you pronounce that, must prepare a staff belonging to a girl named Yui. There's just one problem. In order to mend the staff's core, Ix must obtain the heart of a dragon, the last of which supposedly died out a thousand years ago. Running up against a strict timeline before his contact expires, Ix must somehow find a long-lost dragon and repair the wand all by summer's end. So Adam, this this sounds like it could be pretty cool. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of into it, actually. This is my first time seeing it, and I'm into it. Honestly, it's just kind of interesting to see this, like, high fantasy story that isn't, like, an isekai. That's that's kind of refreshing, almost, actually. No, I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Usually, there's some kind of isekai element to it, but this one looks like straight fantasy, so that is refreshing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm just sitting here thinking, like, where, where's where's the down and out thirty something salary man? Like, where where is he at? <laughs> uh, so, sorry, sorry, sorry. Down and out otaku salary man. Where is he at? <laughs> we pissed off so many people just now. <laughs> Anyway, um, next up we have My Happy Marriage, written by Akumi Agitogi, illustrated by Sukiho Sukihoka. That's a mouthful. Um, Born to a noble family, Mio is raised by her abusive stepmother and married off to Kyoka, a soldier so heartless his prior fiancés fled within three days into their engagement. With no home to return to, Mio slowly starts to open her heart to her cold and pale husband-to-be. Despite their rocky introduction, this might just be her chance at finding true love and happiness. And all I can say to that is, I don't know about that. I know you don't have anywhere else to go, but you probably should get out of there while you still can. God. Yeah, these kinds of stories are always kind of oof. I mean, I'm sure reading into it, maybe he's a less of an ass <laughs> than we think, but... Maybe he's actually a good person. He's just misunderstood, you know? Yeah, or maybe he just has problems expressing himself. I don't know. But either way, the cover I mean, he is, is actually terrible. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the cover art's, like, beautiful, like, breathtaking. Oh, it's, yeah, for sure. So that alone, if I saw this in the store, I'd at least give it a second look. Oh, man, yeah. Look, the art for it is beautiful so far. Um, it just, for me, it's just going to depend on how this premise shakes out because it already, it already sounds like something I'm not sure I would really enjoy, honestly. Um, but that's really about it for Yen Press. And, uh, so at the time of this recording, I'm just going to put this out there. Seven Seas has announced that, uh, they're doing another license event thing called their five days of fireworks, where they're going to be announcing new licenses between June 28th and July 2nd. Uh, we're recording this kind of a few days before that's supposed to happen. So just in case anybody's wondering, like, well, why didn't you talk about the Seven Seas licenses? They're not out yet. And I'm probably not going to add them into the episode because that's too much work. So we will we will <laughs> we will talk about them on another episode. I'm sure Seven Seas is going to announce like 30 more licenses that we'll have to talk about next episode. But we just don't have the time for that. We're already kind of running long as is. So just wanting to put that out there. But to kind of finish out our licensing news, we are going to round out with some indie publisher type stuff. And the first thing we have to talk about is a new thing from Start Fruit Books. Uh, probably one of my favorite publishers to like keep up with, honestly. Like I, I really love a lot of their stuff. And this one's a pretty big get because from what I hear and from what I understand, books from this particular author, I guess, used to be licensed, but now are like totally out of print or really hard to come by. We have The City of Pigs from Hidashi Hino, in which, uh, according to Starfruit Books, uh, pre-orders for this actually start this July. Uh, so maybe they've started by the time you're listening to this, but there's no like specific release date uh, for this particular title yet, but it'll be sometime down the line later this year. Oh, I guess I should also say that uh, this title is going to be both coming out in print and in digital uh, for the first time in English. Uh, and apparently is the first manga of theirs that's been, like, released in over a decade, which is really interesting. And just to kind of read the synopsis real quick. Uh, One night under a blood-red moon glimmering with demonic beauty, a group of devilish creatures armed with axes and spears came riding into a quiet city on horseback. One by one, they loaded the villagers up into the uh, cages and carried them off without any explanation. I barely managed to escape alive. 
So, I mean, it doesn't tell you everything about the series, but I think it tells you enough to know, like, this is probably going to be really fucked up and terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I know this artist is known for horror stuff. So, yeah, there's a legacy there. I thought I heard somewhere that Hideshi Hino is one of Junji Ito's, like, influences. I could be wrong about that. Yes, actually. Or is that right? Yeah, that is correct. I I remember our buddy V-Lord was really excited when this one when this was announced. So I looked him up a bit. And yeah, I found out that, yes, he is one of the people that influenced uh, Junji Ito. I mean, again, from what I understand, this is a really huge get. And I, I'm, I'm really proud of Matt in particular. Matt, if you're listening. You know, I'm I'm so proud of like all the stuff that the Starfruit books has been picking up. Like I I seriously cannot like overstate like how much like how much their stuff really excites me. You know, uh, and I'm always like I, like even if it's not something I'm like totally into, I'm just always interested by the stuff they pick up. And this is no exception. I really want to thank the Manga Machinations podcast in particular for because uh, it's funny because I think on one of their latest episodes they were talking about Hidashi Hino. I think just randomly or what for whatever reason. And I think like soon after that, like this got announced. So I was just like, oh, that's that's interesting. I just heard about this guy because I don't think I was really familiar with this person's work until like just recently. So we'll definitely have to like check this out, maybe even podcast about it. I know I say that about a lot of stuff I want to read, but it's just that it's just at the point where if I don't podcast about it, I might not read it. I don't know. That's just the podcaster's life. Anyway, that was that was random, but still, I'm excited for this, and I know a lot of other people are excited for this too. So uh, yeah, definitely go check this out and uh, pre-order this if you can. I'm sure Matt really wants this to do well. But I guess speaking of about more indie publishers, we have some stuff from Glacier Bay Books to talk about, and it looks like uh, I guess in terms of like the release dates for uh, for these new titles, it looks like four of these will be coming out this year. Uh, and then one of them still doesn't have like a publication window yet. But I guess the first thing to talk about is Final Testament to the Moon from Sayaka Mogi, who apparently is the author of Pupa, which Sakaki, I don't know if you know anything about Pupa, but um, that is a series. I, I don't I don't know how to describe it. I know next enough. I know that it is definitely a series. <laughs> it involves siblings eating each other, maybe sexually. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I, I say that like I mean like actually like taking bites out of each other. That's what I mean. I mean, did it get an anime? It got like a five minute anime thing. It wasn't very good. I fell asleep through most of it, honestly. Oh, Colson, if you could fall asleep through siblings eating each other, I don't know if I really want to talk okay, to but, you anymore. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. But like the stuff that happened before then was all boring. I think I, I think I fell asleep before that stuff happened. I don't know. Okay. Um, look, I don't I don't want to like I don't want to say that like oh because of this series this other person's work might be, you know, suspect because actually the cover for this looks really cool and uh so apparently if I'm reading this right th- so this is like a self-published conclusion to this author's other series that I guess like got picked up by Kodansha? Oh, yes. I actually did hear about this one. Yeah, that got canceled and they wanted to definitely finish off the story. So they went to self-publishing. Yeah, I did actually hear about that before. Yeah, that's really interesting. Like, I'm surprised that uh, Glacier Bay uh, got a hold of it. I mean, I guess it's not uh, this isn't really owned by Kodansha. So maybe they weren't interested in it. Maybe I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting how these things work out. But uh I don't know. I mean, from the cover of it, it, it looks amazing. Like, I will say that. I mean, just in general, like, 
I feel bad because I haven't read anything from Glacier Bay books, and I know I need to fix that because I know they have a lot of really cool stuff, including, like, I think it's called Children of Moo Town, which uh, now good friend of the show, Zach Uchu Shelf, uh, has been talking about it nonstop and also even got to, like, interview the author of that, which is pretty cool Wow, on his YouTube channel, which we should probably link that in the show notes. Uh, sorry, I know uh, we weren't going to do community shoutouts, but now I'm just kind of doing them throughout the show. But yeah, no, we'll leave a link to that in the show notes, and maybe we'll talk about Children of Moo Town. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't. I don't want to keep saying, "Oh, we'll talk about this." Oh, we'll talk about this. Oh, we'll talk about this. And I'm just, I'm just gonna add to our never-ending list of stuff we talk about on the podcast. But anyway, yeah, no. So, uh, Final Testament to the Moon sounds pretty cool. And then next up, we have Reincarnation from Yuri A. A. Yuri. I think that's how you pronounce her name. In which uh, this is a atmospheric four-volume debut work about the cycle of life and death and rebirth. A wash in a lush uh, calligraphic style that will be released in a two-volume compilation format, which is pretty cool. The art for this already looks pretty good. I'm all about, like, atmospheric, existential-type stuff, so this might be up my alley, actually. And then we have Mermaid Town from Tomohiro Tsugawa, which is an 80-page doujinshi collection of short story dream manga, which is the author's English debut and a release of stories from 10 years ago. Again, cover for this looks pretty good. I would definitely love to check this out, as well as The Carmen Life from Mitsuhashi Kotaro, which is a collection of the author's various stories from a new indie manga anthology, Suika Toko no Tane, and is a 140-page short story collection introducing seven works with a unique, dreamy style. Mm, I like the preview here. I mean, all of these sound really interesting, but yeah, this one especially would be one I might check out. Oh, no, yeah, all these sound really cool, uh, as well as our last one here, Favorable Wind on Full Sails, which apparently is a working title, uh, the original Japanese title being Junpu Manpan from Aranto Chika, about a young artist informed by uh, Gekika Masters. Uh, this book is for the lovers of such artists as Seichi Hayashi, Shinichi Abe, and Yoshiharu Suge, uh, an artist mining this personal uh, expressive vein, 160 pages of beautiful and uh, tremulous youth comics. Like, honestly, all these sound really, really good. I would check out all these. Yeah, same. Like, again, one fun thing about doing these news segments with you is I discover so much stuff that I probably wouldn't have looked at otherwise. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, like, we try to cover as many licenses on the show, but... And then we then we have some points where Seven Seas licenses about like a hundred titles in one month or something. We we have to pick and choose sometimes. But and we could have picked and choose for these two to save on time. But I I really thought like all these were like important to share or whatever. So there's that. Yeah, yeah. But again, great stuff from Glacier Bay Books. I definitely need to check them out in the future. Uh, we have one more publisher to talk about, and then we're almost done with licensing news from Ablaze in particular, which. Uh, for those who don't remember, uh, is the publisher bringing out The Breaker, which is a uh, manhwa that I think we've uh, we've mentioned on the show uh, when that was announced. I'm still looking forward to that. Um, so two titles that they're picking up in particular, one of them being from Tsukasa Saimura and Kozo Takahashi with Crueler Than Dead, uh, which will be coming out physically and digitally on September 29th in which uh, Maki Akagi wakes up in a lab full of corpses. She learns from a dying soldier that she is the result of a last-ditch experiment to cure humans of a virus turning them into zombies, accompanied by a young boy who has miraculously escaped 
uh, she will have to try to get to the very center of a devastated Tokyo filled with bloodthirsty monsters. The dome located there contains the last survivors of mankind, and humanity's very survival depends solely on a few drops of this miraculous vaccine. I mean, first off, the cover for this looks terrifying. And um, I think I've seen a few preview pages for this manga somewhere. I forget where, but, um, you know, I used to not be super into zombie stories. And I think that's because, like, that was also around the time when zombie stories were just, like, every fucking where, you know? But honestly, I don't know. I would I would give this a chance. It sounds like it could be cool. Um, the other one I'm kind of more interested in, actually, is uh, Versus Fighting Story, written by Izu and drawn by Mad and Kalan. Uh, which will be also coming out physically and digitally on August 18th. It's also mentioned in the description that this is the first manga dedicated to the world of esports competition. So you already have my attention with that. Um, specifically, Max Volta is the leader of a team of professional players who launches an assault on the Capcom Pro Tour, uh, one of the major international competitions for Street Fighter V. Everything does not happen as expected for the arrogant and overconfident Max. Even after being named top pick to win the tournament, he suffers a crushing defeat. Max takes it out on his friends, which leads to his sponsor pulling out. He is afraid his career is over. But then the mysterious Enos offers to return to the basics of versus fighting and put together a team capable of beating the Japanese god of fighting games and which will cause a storm in the world of professional gaming. Um, so yeah, I... Me specifically, I think ever since we, uh, like a long time ago at this point, covered that one esports one shot that um, now Shikomi did for Shonen Jump, you know, I think it was around that point. I was like, you know, I'd be up for more esports manga, and I think I'm finally getting my wish. You know, I I would definitely check this out. I would give it a look. See, I, it's since quarantine, I've been watching way more esports videos, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's been a blessing and a curse because <laughs> you never really understand how good you are until you you watch an esports video. You think you're like you're hot shit until you go somewhere and get owned. <laughs> so, yeah, then you watch like people do this like professionally and are like way better than you and actually have like trained to do this stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's just like, but I mean, th this in itself sounds interesting. And the fact that it was published in France, like that's interesting too. Mm -hmm. That is really interesting. But yeah, no, I mean, again, I would check both of these out. And I mean, in general, I think all of the uh, titles we've gotten from these indie publishers all sound really like phenomenal, quite honestly. I would check all of them out. <sighs> okay, but that is finally it for all the licensing news. And so I think we're going to get on... With the rest of our news, we do have, um, I guess this would count as like industry news because I forget if I like already hinted at it at the top of the show, but uh, we do have a new manga service coming out. Again, it'll it'll already be available and running by the time you're listening to this. So we don't have a lot of info on this at the moment because we're, we're literally recording this a few days before it's about to launch. And I actually found out about this because uh, they followed me on Twitter, which was a really interesting way of finding out. But a new manga subscription service, Azuki, will be, uh, again, by the time you're listening to this, will already be launched worldwide, except for Japan. It's going to be a web iOS and it's it's going to be it's going to be available everywhere on June 28th. Again, already out. But uh, yeah, so this is a new manga subscription service that is, again, also going to have a lot of Kodansha USA stuff and is also going to be a new service where I guess 
unlike with Mangamo, where you kind of have to have a subscription in order to like view any of their stuff. Um, with Azuki, you can actually read a select portion of whatever manga they have available. But obviously, if you pay uh, if you pay a fee, which in this case is four ninety nine a month, you'll get access to everything. And so, yeah, like uh, like I said, they're gonna have a shit ton of Kodansha stuff in particular, uh, as well as titles from Kaiten books. So this includes stuff like uh, Gotcha Girls Corpse, The Yakuza's Guide to Babysitting, uh, My Dad's The Queen of All VTubers, and Uza Maid. Uh, which is really cool because I haven't gotten the chance to read any of Kaiten Book's stuff, and this might be the opportunity for me to actually get to some of their stuff. I've been meaning to check out some of their stuff as well. But um, so yeah, I mean, this is really interesting. I think I mentioned at one point in the show, uh, at some point, I forget when, that like I would be interested in seeing like if there'd be any more like manga subscription services, and I guess I'm getting my wish. I mean, if they have any like original titles, I'd be interested in seeing that. Like I'm sure, like, again, we're basically just announcing it right now. Like, by the time this comes out, it's going to be a super new thing. I'm sure we'll leave a link to where you can, like, check it out and sign up for it in the show notes. Uh, and I'm sure, like, on a later episode of the podcast, we'll we'll kind of, like, dig more into it and talk about it then. But for now, yeah, it's just kind of cool to see another subscription service. Like, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, like, how many of these start coming up now or if this is even the end of them because like obviously manga is in a really good place right now where like there's a lot of demand for a lot of stuff so i guess i'm not that surprised that there'd be even more services but um it's gonna be even more interesting because like this is the second really big service where like most of kodansha's stuff is gonna be available yeah i was just about to comment on that kodansha's really trying to get their stuff out there and i mean i guess they're probably looking at the success of the jump vault so they they're probably looking at that and like yeah we want that too so i mean definitely azuki would be something i'd be interested in looking into because it has felt really difficult not difficult per se but like you get some kodansha stuff on some program on some things like you know simupub you get some stuff on other stuff on like comiXology but nothing that has everything really in one place like the jump vault so if this can kind of emulate that then I could see it being super successful on that merit alone. No, yeah, for sure. Like, I, I was just wondering, like, because, you know, Mangamo has a lot of stuff, but when it comes to, like, their Kodansha stuff, they only have, like, so much of a lot of their titles, you know? And I, I think, um, I forget which, but I know some of their titles, like, even left the service for right now. Maybe maybe it'll be, like, a Netflix thing where, like, like the certain licenses will expire and then, like, they'll bring them back eventually. I don't know, but, like... I'm wondering, like, in terms of, like, their Kodansha stuff, how this is going to be different from from Mangamo, you know? Like, I, I really wonder, like, if this is going to be a thing where, like, 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 say, like, you know, they added Tokyo Revengers to Mangamo, but, like, there's only, like, so much of that series in particular. Like, I wonder if maybe on Azuki you'll just get to read all of what's available, you know? Yeah, that that's that that would be interesting to me too to see how they're gonna differentiate that. But again, I I, I gotta hand it to Kodansha. They really are trying to make it easier for you to get their stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm also wondering like how many other publishers will in the future maybe partner up with Azuki because we already have Kaiten Books. So like, hey, you never know. Maybe like uh, maybe we'll see stuff from Starfruit Books up on there. Maybe we'll see Glacier Bay Books. I don't know. Mm. Um. Or it, it would it would be really interesting to see like who else partners up with this company because uh, yeah I don't know I'm I'm just I'm really interested in seeing like uh, 
again, we'll, we'll obviously talk more about this when we have the chance to actually like look through the service. But like, I'm really interested in seeing like how this is going to grow and like how much competition they're going to be able to give like Mangamo in particular. So uh, can't, can't wait to see what things are like, even like by the end of this year. I don't know. We'll have to see. All right. Um, that's kind of about it for like any industry news in particular. But uh, we're going to move on to some miscellaneous interest type stuff. Uh, for now, we're, we're just going to talk a little. I, I just thought this was really interesting because uh, I want to see like what comes out of this. Um, but Shonen Jump Plus is getting their own reality show to find the next star manga creator. So apparently on the Shonen Jump Plus website, uh, this new reality show is called uh, Million Tag, which is going to be a new, I guess what they call battle audition kind of reality show thing to discover the next star manga author. Uh, it's going to be eight episodes. It's going to debut on the official YouTube channel for Weekly Shonen Jump on Friday, July 2nd. Again, by the time you're listening to this, it already started. And the program is going to follow six teams, uh, each with a prospective manga creator and a Shueisha manga editor as they compete in four challenges. Uh, the winning manga creator will receive a prize of 5 million yen, uh, the opportunity to serialize their manga on Shonen Jump Plus, a compiled book volume of that manga in particular, and an anime adaptation of that manga. So that's pretty big. Um, yeah. Mm. So, I mean, look, there's been a lot of really cool stuff coming out of Shonen Jump Plus. Some people would even argue that uh, some of that stuff may be even better than most Shonen Jump titles. I don't know. You know, I've seen those arguments out there. But, um, I mean, look, Shonen Jump Plus is just coming out with a lot of great titles in particular. And it's going to be really interesting to see, like, what comes out of this competition. Uh, we could we could really see, like, uh, a, a, a big a big manga author come out of this. You, you never know. Like, the, the fact that they're also going to get, like, an anime out of this, too, that's, that's really interesting to me. Like, that really shows me that, like... Uh, they, they really want to foster some kind of talent out of this, I think. Yeah, I, I, and it's interesting that they, they make it sound like they say a collected volume and everything. So it makes it sound like this isn't going to be necessarily a long series. So I kind of wonder about that. And of course, this is only eight episodes long. So is it just for this one? I mean, it's clearly that they're testing the waters with this. And obviously, if it goes well, then we might see more of it. But yeah, I, I'm... I guess with as popular as Jump is now, they can't. They are in a position that they could just do this. <laughs> so, like, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, how this shakes out. And Colton, if I can make a suggestion, since we're already talking about Jump Plus, I mean, I know there's another news item here, but I think there's something below that news item we could actually talk about. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess as long as we're talking about Shonen Jump Plus, um, so uh, Kaiju Number Eight is um, I'm going to say a pretty popular series at this point in time. Uh, it does very well on Shonen Jump Plus, gets millions and millions of views. And we haven't really like talked about it like a lot, a lot. But in terms of like, it's like how many copies are in like circulation, it just keeps increasing. Because at this point in time, at the time that we're recording this, Kaiju number eight has now 3 million copies in circulation. And apparently is the fastest Shonen Jump Plus manga to get to this point in particular. So specifically, this is uh, including print and digital copies, uh, but not all yet sold. So that's important to uh, to put out there. But I mean, I think it's safe to say, I mean, admittedly, I'm still a little shaky on like what circulation numbers really mean about a uh, mean sometimes. But if I understand correctly, this really tells me that like Shueisha has a lot of faith that like 
Uh, I mean, obviously it's selling well, but I think they think like, oh, it could sell even better in the future, probably. Yeah, and you know, along with Spy Fam, I or Spy X Family, excuse me, like I wouldn't be surprised if they're just kind of priming this up to be, you know, I wouldn't go as far as saying they're trying to make another big three because that's clearly a Western invention, but <laughs> but like yeah, they're definitely trying to build pillars to the Chump Plus like catalog, and you know, with Spy Family and now Kaiju Eight all kind of rising through the ranks, I mean, they might be very well on their way to doing so. But yeah, no, Kaiju Number Eight's still doing very well. I've been seeing a lot of like new people get into it lately, which is really cool. I need, again, another series I need to catch up on because it, ha- it has been very good lately from what I can tell. Yeah, I, I actually, I think I'm maybe just a chapter behind. Like it's, it's because of its schedule that it's, like kind of hard for me to keep up with it like when something's That's come fair. out constantly then it's easy whether it's once a month once a week that's easier for me but that's by no means am i saying oh well i just got bored of it and forgot about it it's just hard for me to keep up with it but when i finally do remember to read it i have a lot of fun with it i i guess in terms of its release schedule i don't really have this in our news docket but it is worth noting that uh naoya matsumoto apparently has announced that like they are changing the release schedule for kaiju number eight I guess, to better fit their schedule. So originally what they were doing, I believe, was they would be releasing uh, a chapter a week for three weeks and then like take a break. But now they're going to be releasing like biweekly. So like a chapter every two weeks, I believe, um, which, you know, um, I like in the grand scheme of things, I think that only really that, that means like, oh, we'll get like one less chapter a month. Uh, theoretically, I guess. So I, I don't think that's I don't think that's too bad a compromise. Like there's they're still putting out at least two chapters a month, maybe three a month, depending on like how certain months play out, probably. But like, you know, I think that's good. Like, you know, again, I don't want all manga artists to kill themselves for their work if they can help it. So I'm fine with Matsumoto like taking whatever time they need to really work on the series and also just take time for themselves. Yeah, exactly. Um, but here, while we're talking about like circulation numbers, this one's because we were talking about Jujutsu Kaisen earlier. Um, Jujutsu Kaisen now has 50 million manga volumes printed and sold, according to Crunchyroll. I should also say, according to the official Jujutsu Kaisen Twitter account, uh, which is really cool. So this includes like physical and digital volumes as well. Wow. The Crunchyroll article here is pretty helpful in terms of like sizing this up in, in terms of like. Uh, how it stacks up against like other series. So according to the Crunchyroll article I have in front of me, it says that this brings Jujutsu Kaisen on par with numbers for series as Berserk, uh, the worldwide sales of My Hero Academia, and the lifetime sales of Haikyuu, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, and I'm I'm pretty sure that now Jujutsu Kaisen has sold as much as Gintama has in its lifetime as well. God, and yeah, when you, and it also points out that all of these series have double the amount of volumes of Jujutsu Kaisen, which is to say, as I was pointing out earlier about, you know, it's selling more than Demon Slayer. Yeah, it, at this point, it, it's very real that it could, especially since the series, as I pointed out, is not over yet. Mm-hmm. It's really insane how well it's doing right now, and I'm, I really cannot wait to see, like, where its sales are at the end of the year and whether it's being Demon Slayer or not. Yeah. But yeah, no, good for Jujutsu Kaisen. I'm really happy for Akutami. And uh, I guess we're kind of done talking about like circulation numbers. But in terms of like digital stuff, this one's really big. And I'm really excited about this one. But I want to be specific here. So it looks like Hajime no Ippo, for the first time, all 131 volumes of Hajime no Ippo, the original manga from George Morikawa, will now get a digital release 
uh, or I guess now has a digital release by the time you're listening to this, in Japan specifically. So in Japan, people can now read the series digitally. So the first 60 volumes of this were briefly available digitally this past July as a way for readers to kind of read it during like COVID or whatever. And I'm assuming that did pretty well because now they're just like, oh, we got to put this shit up now. Like, <laughs> um, But I mean, th- this is really big because like for the longest time, George Morikawa was against like digital versions of his work. And uh, Sakaki, I don't know if like you can quickly kind of peruse like the tweet that he made on his Twitter about it, but like... If the machine translation that Twitter gives me is uh, is accurate, it seems like Morikawa like was against it for the longest time because he didn't realize like like how digital sales for manga worked and like what it would be what it would be like having his stuff available digitally. So like Kodansha and his editors or whatever basically had to explain it to him. And he was just kind of like, oh, okay, you could do that. That's fine. Oh, oh, that's what you meant. Okay, just go ahead and do that. <laughs> I'm looking for the tweet now to see what I can find. I, I did find one where he was just kind of like looking at it like, yeah, I don't like the way this looks like. And it's funny because uh, V-Lord and uh, Marion and I have all been like uh, with him and uh, Urasawa. They're like, do they not know that there's a thing called like a uh, portrait, like portrait viewing? <laughs> <laughs> So, like, because there's a tweet. Okay, so it's not this tweet. There's a tweet out there, essentially, where he's, like, he has a volume of Epo in his hand, and he's kind of, like, you see there's, like, a two-page spread, and he's just bugged by the fact that on phones you can't see two pages. But it's, like, we were all just kind of joking most of the time. Like, you know, you can flip your phone on the side, and you can see two pages is fine. <laughs> so, yeah, more or less, you, the machine trans... I mean, just reading it over really quick, then... Yeah, they he, he more or less was like, I didn't like digital, you know. I mean, well, no, he's basically saying, I never hated digital. I don't know where all of these stories came from, that I hate digital things, and I'm a Luddite <laughs> that, like, lives in the dark and draws Epo by candlelight. That's not it. <laughs> That's, I mean, I just was like, it's just like, yeah, I, I like digital things. I read manga. Di- I mean, well, I, I it, he didn't say this. I'm I, I'm just kind of extrapolating. I read, you know, I, I deal with digital shit. I just didn't really get digital manga. And Kodansha, you know, they, they were very nice and sat down with me and explained it a lot. And then he was just like, okay, sure. Why not? Go ahead, go for it. And then, you know, there's another tweet of his just kind of like, yeah, you know, see, this is why I hated digital. It's not like I, like, you know, this is why I was against it. This is this is it. You see, you look at this two-page spread. It doesn't look nearly as cool as it would on a, like, digital platform. But since you plebes want it so bad, I guess. Yeah, I'm, but I mean, it's, it's, it's like you said, like, it's, he, he probably didn't realize, like, oh, I could turn my phone. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah, that's probably what it is. Now all we need to do is convince Urasawa. But I mean, Urasawa at least is like, he's okay with digital releases of magazines of his stuff, but not volumes yet. <laughs> so, I mean, like, we've talked to like Aiden in particular when they went to go to the Urasawa exhibit, like the day that Urasawa was there himself. And he, I remember talking with Aiden about how Urasawa talked about like how we felt his stuff may have looked maybe digitally because you know he some of these older artists you know are so used to physical and i think when they draw their manga have like the physical book and like how it looks in their like in mind because you know physical and digital comics can be different you know like yeah yeah um so i i understand like where they're coming from but i mean like you know in this day and age especially like 
you know, during the pandemic or whatever, where maybe like people still don't feel like going outside or whatever, feel like or they don't feel safe. Like, you know, I think it's good that some of these authors are like kind of coming around to having more of their stuff digitally. I mean, like having Hachimino Ippo available digitally in Japan you know, uh, like, you know, I mean, it opens doors like now, yeah, like yeah. people who couldn't access the series because they don't want to carry around a fucking truckload of this <laughs> <laughs> to, to like air share it with their friends because they have to like, you know, ship it to their friends before coming over because there's just so much of it. Now it's much more accessible. And of course, I with that comes the idea that maybe now there's a chance it could get licensed. Possibly. It depends. If it's a digital only release, I could see it happening. But I know it was funny because actually before we started recording, I was talking to V-Lord about this and it was just like, yeah, it's possible if they do it on like a subscription service, maybe, but then there is actually a dedicated scan group. And as much as people want to pretend like that's not going to matter, that they're going to still buy Epo, that's going to matter a little bit at least. Yeah, no, I, I get that. But like, I do think it would be fucking amazing if Kodansha in particular made this like exclusively available on something like Comixology or something. Like yeah. I, I think I think that would draw at least some people to the service. And I, you know, I'm not saying like it's definitely gonna happen because like they're like again, we've basically gone from like a zero percent chance to uh a, a, like a 0.5% chance that maybe it'll happen. Like yeah. that would that would still take a lot of work, and I understand that, but Again, this does open doors to that possibility now. Exactly. And yeah, I agree with that. My interest is going to be at this point, as I mentioned, that Urasawa allows digital versions of chapters of his to be in magazines. I just wonder now, is Morikawa going to allow, like, because right now it's not in the digital version of Shonen Magazine either. So I kind of wonder now if uh, Morikawa will say, okay, fine, I'll also let Epo chapters run in the magazine. Well, actually, I think uh, I'm trying to see. It says uh, all future chapters of the long running series will also launch digitally in addition to physically moot going forward. Oh, OK. Well, there you go. It's, I mean, I only asked that because I translate the TOCs for magazine and Sunday. So it's going to be interesting seeing Morikawa in that lineup because every every week he's not there since he's not in the digital version of the magazine. So I guess that's going to be interesting. It's going to be weird for me because I've more or less I it is a weird way to approach things. And I guess but it works for me is like I treat the the authors like characters, too. So I kind of get a better idea of how they talk and how they, you know, how they behave. So now I'm going to get used to Morikawa because I'm not used to translating his commentary, but eh, it'll be fun. Mm -hmm. But uh, I mean, look, at the very least, hopefully volumes of Hajime no Ippo will end up on Japanese Bookwalker, and maybe I can actually buy Japanese volumes and, you know, to, to do that thing where, like, you know, with, with unlicensed things, like, if for some reason I, I have to, like, resort to scans for things, I can at least buy, like, Japanese digital copies, that way I at least, like, support the books, because that still matters, so... Maybe in the future I can do that with Epo and I can actually read it without feeling guilty that, you know, I'm just stealing this guy's work because I, I don't want to do that. You know, I would like to support Epo and, you know, that that's kind of part of the reason why I kind of stayed away from it was because like, oh, I just I don't want to just read scans of it and not be able to support Morikawa. That's just for, for me. That just doesn't feel right. This doesn't sit with me. That's just me, though. Um, but yeah, I'm really interested in seeing like where this will take us. If it will at all, I don't know, but it is—it's still a huge deal. Totally, one hundred percent agreed. Yeah. Uh, but moving on to another smaller piece of news, real quick. So this was just something I thought was kind of funny 
because uh, here. So high school family from Ryo Nakama. I believe this was for volume two of the series. We're on the wraparound jacket. It was actually recommended by Haruichi Furudate, the author of Haikyuu. It got Furudate's seal of approval. And I can only imagine, I can only wonder why. It's 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 not like the dad in that series plays volleyball or anything. <laughs> All I know about High School Family is from V-Lord, who really enjoys it. So, like, I need to sit down with it at some point. There you go. I, I'm taking my Colton line for the night. That's something I should really read. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, obviously I'm not caught up on High School Family. It's, it's fun. It's not like, to me, it's not like laugh out loud funny. Like it, it doesn't have me like on my knees and like wheezing laughing or whatever. But like, it's, it's a fun little series. And like, I'm just happy that we got it considering like, I've always wanted to read Nakama's other work with uh, Isabe Isabe Monogatari, you know? Oh yeah, that's right. That was him. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just I'm just glad we got anything of his at all because again I've never really read his stuff. So this so it's at least interesting on that front. But like you know it's it's fine. Like I don't think it's like painfully unfunny like some people do for some reason. You know like I don't know. There are some people who really don't like High School Family and are just like offended by like how funny they don't think it is, you know? It's just it's just kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, that's weird to me. Like I've always just seen it as like I didn't I, I admit I didn't like the art much, which is why I never really sat down with it, but yeah, I don't think that it's like a like a blight on jump. Like there are definitely other series there that can fill that Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to not go there, <laughs> but yeah. I, yeah, it, way it to is... not name anything in particular. Yes, let us let me not do that. Um, Yeah, I, I don't think it's like a bad series or anything. Well, then again, I haven't read it. Maybe they might be onto something. At the very least, it's fine. Yeah, from what V-Lord says and has shown us, it, 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 it has shown us in our um, Discord server, it, 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 it's seems like it has its moments of being hilarious if i if i had to just say just based off of that though i think i prefer roboco no roboco is definitely funnier yeah i definitely agree with that yeah so uh but no yeah again kind of a small piece of news but i, I just thought that was kind of funny because it's like yeah eventually the dad gets into volleyball or whatever and like becomes part of the team or whatever it's i was not expecting high school family to turn into like a sports manga but you know what is this like the inverse of like every comedy manga turns into a battle manga or whatever? I mean, tr well, there you go. It's worked in, the, in this in this case, a comedy manga turns into a sports manga. <laughs> <laughs> if it works, hey, if it works, don't knock it. That's all I can say. Look, I'll I'll give it this. I've I've never seen another comedy manga go full on sports manga before. That's interesting. Yeah. All right, but let's talk about some anime streaming stuff. So. We've talked about before how uh, Discotech licensed basically all of Sergeant Frog and are going to be releasing that on Blu-ray at some point. But if you don't want to wait for that and you want to save a little money and you'd rather just stream it, well, guess what? You can watch the first 205 episodes on Crunchyroll right now. That's amazing. I was not expecting this. And I, I got to be honest, like... I've seen a pretty good portion of Sergeant Frog. I think I got like 200 and something episodes in at one point. And um, I, don't, I might have to like start from the beginning and just watch it all the way through. Because like, you know, like Sergeant Frog, I think it's like 360 something episodes long. And I'm I'm sure they'll probably add the rest of it at some point. But like, yeah, I, I've i been meaning to like actually watch. Like, not, like, I cannot stress enough like how hard it was to try to find 
all of Sergeant Frog online for a while. Like, I remember vividly going through whatever was fan subbed and whatever was available at the time. And just getting to the batch of episodes where, like, they're being fan-subbed by, like, random YouTubers who, like, started up their own channel just to fan-sub Sergeant Frog. I think I went through at least, like, three fan-sub channels on YouTube that all got, like, taken down eventually. Like, it was really hard to watch a certain portion of Sergeant Frog after a while. But, um, yeah, I'm just, I, I was not expecting this to land on Crunchyroll. So, again, if you're interested in watching it, it's just there. It's just on Crunchyroll. Go watch it. Yeah, I've... I mean, I remember watching this with my little sister, so I have memories of it. I don't think I ever saw the... No, yes, I did. I think I only saw, like, maybe the first 80 episodes or so before we just sort of fell off of it. So this is a chance for me to kind of get back to it. Yeah, I definitely want to get back on this at some point. But moving on from Crunchyroll to Netflix, there's a lot of cool stuff coming on to Netflix. One of which is already on Netflix at the time we're recording this, is the entirety of the Mobile Suit Gundam trilogy, along with Char's Counterattack. So, you know, it's just kind of cool, like, how much Gundam there is right now. Like, you could literally just watch the original 79 Mobile Suit Gundam on Crunchyroll. Or, you know, if you prefer uh, something a little shorter in length, you could just watch all the movies on Netflix right now. And Char's Counterattack. They're just available right now. I still need to watch these myself. Like, I honestly, uh, now that they're both available, I'm just like, well, do I watch the series first or do I watch the movies? I don't know. I, maybe I'll watch both. I don't know. Uh, sky's the limit. Yeah, no, I, I, I unfortunately am not really into Gundam, although it is a franchise I do want to sit down with eventually. Like, I love the G Gundam. That's pretty much the only one I've watched to completion. I need to watch G Gundam, too. Actually. It's super good. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the one Gundam I can say that I enjoy all the way through. Just, uh, I've only seen it when it aired on Toonami, so I'm really aging myself. <laughs> but like yeah i remember being like enthralled by the whole thing and i'm so happy that that's easily accessible at least i've just never tried to watch it again i've never seen it in japanese <laughs> so that's something i do want to sit down with at some point but yeah i mean definitely for the gundam fans out there this is great news for them oh yeah for sure um if you haven't already watched them go check them out uh, as far as some other stuff coming from Netflix is concerned, it has been confirmed that uh, the anime adaptation of Hiromashima's Eden Zero is going to be available globally on Japan this August 26th, along with another thing that I'm sure you and everyone else at Oversoul is looking forward to, the new adaptation of Shaman King, which will be coming out even sooner globally on August 9th. Yes, we, we've been... We've been kind of going back and forth on this. At first, we were just going to start covering the anime with just, like, unsavory methods. <laughs> but, like, then we all just decided, okay, we're, you know what, we've got enough podcasts for legit things that we could just wait for this to drop. And, yeah, this is going to be fun. Like, I've actually even avoided watching it outright just so we it, it can surprise me. I watched episode one without subs, but I haven't watched anything else. And I'm definitely looking forward to this. And I'm sure the rest of everybody on Oversoul is looking forward to talking about this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I've been kind of like holding off on Shaman King because like I'm kind of holding out hope that maybe one day I can do like a Manga Mavericks book club thing for the Patreon about it. So I, I kind of want to go into it blind. But like, I mean, now that we're getting Shaman King, like I, I really want to get on it at some point. I've always wanted to check it out. 
it's really fun. Like as somebody, and if you listen to Oversoul, you'll hear this story. So I'll uh, shorten it a bit. But like, yeah, as somebody, like my experience with Shaman King was the original Shonen Jump um, magazine that we had here in the U.S. And then a random volume that my friend bought when he went to Japan. And the only thing I can remember, and Marion and Vlord make fun of me for this all the time, but the only thing I can remember is just like one dude shirtless and screaming X, and like one of bodies, somebody's oversold being a car. And this was back when I really didn't understand Japanese, so like this was all just random shit happening. Oh wow! <laughs> so, so it's only now that we started doing the Oversoul podcast that I actually have the context to these things, and it really doesn't make anything less funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, definitely, I fully recommend checking out Shaman King whenever you get the chance to. At some point, I'd like to, but um, again, yeah, both Shaman King and Eden Zero will be coming to Netflix. Uh, this August, I know those were two anime coming to Netflix that I think people are still really like excited to watch or whatever. But people were looking forward to those. Um, okay, so we have one more piece of news. This one I was not expecting to pop up uh, from Deadline of all places. They basically broke the news on assumedly another live action anime adaptation from Hollywood that that'll probably be coming at some point. And that is an adaptation of Made in Abyss uh, that'll be coming from Kevin McMullen in particular. And I guess uh, Roy Lee and Masioka uh, from Heroes are going to be a part of the team bringing this to life as well. So uh, the Deadline article doesn't specifically say it's a live action adaptation, but I mean, like, I don't know what else it could be. I'm just going to assume it's a live action adaptation. I, I think we can all assume that first yeah. off. Yeah. And second, like, yeah, Made in Abyss, this is an interesting one to make a live action adaptation thing out of, especially if it's going to be like a Hollywood film or something. Because like, I don't know, look, I haven't read Made in Abyss. I haven't really like interacted with it. It's something I do want to check out at some point. But like, I keep hearing a lot of things about the manga in particular and how like pedophilic it is in places, <laughs> weirdly. Um, and I mean, in general, like, I know Made in Abyss is some kind of a darker series too, where like... Kids are literally getting, like, mutilated and injured, and I don't know. It doesn't sound like the kind of thing that's, like, everybody's cup of tea, but, like, despite some of those unsavory aspects about it, I still really want to check it out, because I've also heard good things about it. Like, I've heard it's good, especially the anime. I've heard good things about the anime, too. Yeah, I, I've i checked out the anime a little bit and read some of the manga. Yeah, it's, I don't want to sit here and I don't want to, like, drive people away from it, like, don't experiences stay away from it no i i think it is something that is does have its merits but yeah i could definitely see how somebody uh, if you're a faint of heart probably might not want to check this out yeah basically yeah that would also be my uh disclaimer yeah i don't know it's just interesting of, of all the things to make like a live action thing out of this is an interesting choice i'll give them that It'll be interesting to see how they could pull this off again if it ever gets off the ground. Like so many of these things are always announced, but like very few of them actually like get completely made, you know. So I don't know. It's just not something I was expecting to pop up on the day we had to record news. This is this was interesting. Um, I don't know if I really have much else to say about it. I can't say that I'm really like familiar with any of Kevin McMullen's work at all. Just kind of looking through his IMDb page. Uh, I think he's directed like one or two movies. Um, it doesn't seem like he's like done a lot. So I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. I don't know. I mean, look, I'm very wary about like Hollywood live action things. 
just in particular, especially when it comes to anime. It's just not really my thing because most of the time they're not super good. And again, most of them don't even get like most of them don't even see the light of day. So there's that. I don't know. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But I thought it was interesting. Yeah. And uh, oh, my God, Sakaki, we're done with news. <laughs> what? Really? <laughs> I mean, I was thinking we could add one more thing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. I thought we... you were going to be like, oh, really? I had like another hour's worth of news if you want to talk about it. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> as much as I, I've enjoyed this, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure most people are tired of hearing us by now. <laughs> hey, look, I'm, I'm tired of hearing us. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> why did you take the, you put the just kidding just as I agreed. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm trying to psych you out. I'm, try, I'm trying to gotcha you. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we've we've made it through everything. And again, I have to say, I always enjoy being on these because a lot of the times it's stuff I wouldn't have known otherwise, because I am definitely way more entrenched in like Japanese news than like half the time. I don't even know what's licensed or what's available out there until somebody tells me. <laughs> <laughs> so don't be like me. Don't learn Japanese. It's no good. <laughs> <laughs> It will alienate you from the rest of the world. <laughs> you should just listen to our news episodes more often, I guess. Uh, well, no. I mean. If you have like a whole 48 hours to listen to them, then yeah, then go ahead. <laughs> but, you know. oh, God. Oh, boy. I don't think there's anything else we really need to talk about, right? I mean, I think we could probably just uh, go ahead and uh, end the show. We talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, hopefully we talked about stuff that was interesting. I, th I thought we had a lot of interesting stuff to talk about personally. I so. did too. I, I learned a lot. And I mean, all honesty, I did. And yeah, I hope there was some news in here that got you hyped about something. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I guess Sakaki, um, thank you for uh, coming in and subbing in for, uh, for Lum for me. It's always a pleasure to talk to my very good friend and do things with you. And I appreciate you coming in to help us out a little bit. And I always appreciate the chance to come on and talk. It's always a lot of fun. So thank you. All right. But uh, I guess for now, before we end the show, I guess, uh, Sakaki, you can go ahead and start plugging your stuff and let people know where they can find you. Sure. Uh, you can find me at WSS Talkback on Twitter, the weekly ShogakuCon edition. Which is where we talk about Shonen Sunday and all the great stuff in it that you're probably not reading because it's so hard to get. <laughs> so, um, like, uh, of course, Detective Conan, Rumiko Takahashi doing Mao right now, and another up and coming uh, free run, which will be available soon, like, well, fall, so soonish. But yes, uh, you can also go to the blogs at wsstalkback.blogspot.com where we have reviews. Interview translations, which is why I have an interview that I really should translate from two editors, including Freerun's editor and Comey's editor that I've been sitting on, and I should translate that. And, uh, you know, reviews from our good friend Marion and also Jekka. So please give those a look-see. And as I always say here, um, anybody that has something Shogakukan they want to talk about or write about or anything they want to share that's Shogakukan related, I'm always looking for guest writers. So please, by all means, come in and spill your guts about all the Shogakukan stuff that you might have in mind. Uh, besides that, uh, you can find me at Toonami Faithful. I just wrote a interesting article on uh, Fire Force and Faith, how that's depicted in Fire Force. So, and I'm actually kind of proud of that. Um, and besides that, 
uh oh right my personal twitter kiro bond which i'm actually i keep i always shit on my own twitter by saying there's nothing there but i'm actually trying to change that now and actually tweet more often so maybe there'll be things there but you can still feel free to ignore them um besides that i'm on demon slayer podcast with marion and v lord at d slayer podcast on twitter uh oversoul which we just mentioned at shaman king pod on twitter uh you should check those out those are uh things that we do with the v uh, the v lord <laughs> podcast was the empire did you call it yep the v lord podcast empire and of course i can't forget sat night shoggy on twitter which is a saturday night shoggy which is i'm basically commandeering it as part of the um ws's talk back like umbrella because I applied for a whole bunch of press passes to gay and like I filthily just added <laughs> Saturday <sighs> Shoggy as if I'm the only one on it. No, I did credit V Lord Marion as well. So hopefully if I get all these press passes and I can say I'm a legitimate podcaster. <laughs> Ooh. But yeah, please check those out. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. All right. And I mean, I guess just one more plug is uh, while we're still talking about Sakaki stuff. We mentioned it at the top of the show, and I'm going to be annoying and talk about it again. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, if you want to listen to more Sakaki, just in general, but basically, if you like this episode of the podcast and you just want to hear us talk about whatever, uh, specifically Dragon Ball, again, please go listen to Another Day, Another Adventure. You could find more info about that and where to find us and how to download our podcast from wherever podcasts are sold at. at another db pod on twitter that's at another db pod um again a podcast where we talk about whatever dragon ball anime we can covering every dragon ball cartoon ever we are covering the original dragon ball anime from 1986 we're having a lot of fun doing it the first two episodes are for public listening right now on places such as apple Podcasts, spotify google podcasts wherever you can listen to podcasts with the five newest episodes over at patreon patreon.com slash manga mavericks at the three dollar tier if you want to listen to more of the podcast basically until we eventually put those up on our public feed that's where they'll be exclusively again that's at another db pod on twitter please go listen to that show if you like listening to us or you want to hear us talk about dragon ball and yeah i guess um transitioning into the rest of my stuff you can find me on Twitter at SniperKing323. Uh, I also host and produce so many other podcasts besides this one uh, that you can find links to over at my personal blog at coltoncorner.wordpress.com, where I have a page dedicated to whatever podcast I'm doing at the moment, including, you know, whatever guest spots I've done for other shows, other past projects I'm not really doing at the moment. So basically, whatever I've done you can find over at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. That's where you can find all my podcasts. Uh, But as for all comic and manga mavericks, uh, you can find every episode of Manga Mavericks over at all-comic.com. That's where we post every episode first, unless you're a patron of ours at patreon.com slash manga mavericks, in which uh, at the $2 tier in particular, you'll have access to select episodes of the podcast early. You know, basically, if we happen to have an episode of the podcast edited, and it's not time to put them up on our public feed yet. We'll put them up on our Patreon first. That's basically the best place where you can like possibly listen to the newest episodes of Manga Mavericks first before anyone else. Again, that depends on our schedule and everything. But, you know, if we do have it edited early, we'll put it up on our Patreon first. Um, again, at the $2 tier. Uh, but if you want like new exclusive content, you know, you want to sign up for a $5 tier in which we upload a new bonus podcast at the end of every month. Uh, right now at the time you're listening to this, we have uploaded a new bonus podcast 
uh, featuring our good friend, friend of the show, Erica Friedman, uh, where we talk about Nagata Kabi's newest work uh, from Seventh Seas in particular called My Alcoholic Escape from Reality. Basically, if you're a fan of Nagata Kabi's works from such things as like uh, My Solo Exchange Diary and My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness, you know, we've done podcasts on those in the past. And again, we we just recorded and put up a podcast about My Alcoholic Escape from Reality in particular. We had a lot of fun talking about that work with uh, with Erica in particular. We love talking about Nagata Kabi's works. Uh, but that is the newest bonus podcast that you can listen to at the time of this recording. And, you know, we have so many other things up on our Patreon, like a discussion of the 2008 live-action Speed Racer movie from the Wachowski siblings. Or or if you want to listen to us talk about Saint Seiya for however many episodes, we're doing a blind read-through of the original Saint Seiya manga from Masami Kuramata, uh, which we are almost done with, and we are trying to finish up soon so we can get on to the next thing we want to read through. We have so many, so many cool podcasts that are exclusively available on our Patreon, we have uh, close to like 30 to 40 hours of extra stuff on our Patreon at this point. We have a lot of stuff for you to listen to uh, if you become a patron of ours at the $5 level in particular. But I mean, you know, uh, we appreciate anyone that signs up for our Patreon. Again, that's patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Whatever support you're able to throw our way, we really appreciate. Um, and so, yeah, you know, just if, if, you're, if you're interested in signing up for our Patreon, we'd really appreciate it and it really helps us keep up what we're doing really helps us keep the podcast online and whatnot and i can't say it enough we just we appreciate your support um but as for everything else you can find us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash all comic underscore but if you want to follow manga mavericks specifically you want to follow us on manga underscore mavericks or on tumblr at mangamavericks.tumblr.com for all the latest updates on the podcast Subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash manga mavericks, uh, where we upload different excerpts of the podcast, as well as some exclusive content every once in a while. Again, that's at youtube.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, email us anything at manga mavericks at gmail.com. Um, you know, do you have any thoughts on any of the news we covered this episode? Do you have any thoughts on, uh, you know, whatever you're reading or uh, any suggestions for like what, sh- what we should cover on the podcast in the future? Um, you know, email us anything about like manga or the podcast or really anything else. We'll read it on the show. Um, again, that's it. Mavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or basically wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on a lot of different platforms at this point, um, especially on Apple Podcasts, though. It really helps the visibility of our show. And, you know, just in general, we, we love getting feedback from you guys because we really take those kinds of things, like, uh, very seriously and really try to use them to, like, make the show that much better. So any feedback you send us through any avenue, we really appreciate. All right, but thank you guys so much for listening to episode 165 of the Manga Mavericks podcast on allcomic.com. And we will see you guys next time for episode 166. Bye, guys. Take care.